No, we didn't get any of that stuff about preepers and preppers and well, treating well, your peepers. We were recording. We got my end. Riff, say something funny about treating your peepers to sweet relief. To treating your treating your peepers to sweet relief. With that was just very good. It. That was very funny, Riff. <laughs> yes, I mean, we already did the funny one. I don't know. You're not allowed to say the same words twice. Yeah, it doesn't work. <sighs> wow, if you could only say each word once in a podcast. Oh, that'd be right. tricky. You, well, you just record a normal podcast, and then you start bleeping no, out. bleeping <laughs> out any words. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> wow. All right. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 356 of Video Games Hot Dog, in which we'll treat our peepers to sweet relief. <clears throat> I'm actually really excited about this idea of, I, I don't want to do the work, but I want someone to do a version of a podcast where <clears throat> you only get to use a single utterance of a word on the podcast, and then any time it, that any word gets repeated, you just bleep it out. So... All of the words are there, so someone could theoretically reconstruct all of the yeah, words maybe. are there. You yeah. got bleeped. Yep, exactly. I mean, if if you used uh, instead of like a static length bleep, if you used a a tone of the correct length, then they could try that. That would give you an additional clue, or just a word. recording of a different guy saying the word, <laughs> but only once each. So you just have to. We have to get a lot of our listeners to say a lot of our most commonly uttered words. Like, like, like Bomb Squad Academy. <laughs> yeah. Although that's always just a, that's just you hitting the soundboard button that says Bomb Squad Academy. <laughs> right. It's been so long since we recorded an episode of Video Games, God. Yeah. God. <laughs> so long, I forgot how to say it. Uh, so it's, we've had Christmas, we've had New Year's, I turned 42. Happy birthday, buddy. Thanks. Hey. We're the same age again. Woohoo. Do you have any fun stories from Christmas or New Year's or your birthday? I went up to the Oregon coast uh, for New Year's. and Did you stop and visit Riff? I didn't. Did you go to the Tillamook Cheese Factory? I didn't. We were pretty close to it, though. I should have. Did you, you smell were, it from In the greater were? Tillamook Alley, I you just weren't. I didn't. At Valley area. What the fuck? <sighs> I'm really taking this to heart. I'm not allowed to say any words correctly even once on this pod blast. <laughs> The last one was on purpose. I know. It's still funny. I'm very clever. <laughs> uh, what did you do at the coast? Uh, walked on the beach a little bit. Uh, we were in a little town called Pacific City. Are they rocky beaches or sandy beaches? Sandy. Uh, <clears throat> and there was, in fact, it's not a sand dune exactly, but it, it has the feeling of one, but it is massive. Uh, it was more like a, a sand cliff. Super steep sort of just sand hill that went up as I don't in know, I want to say what in the sand hill is going on here yeah I want to say it was like eight stories worth of like 80 feet of at what sand angle? hill 45 oh, so you could climb it you could it was just it was just arduous a real trudge um, people were doing it but then when you were at the top you could run down it like a madman uh, and it was great because it was just every every foot fall was cushioned, and even if you bit it, it would have just fallen into sand. Running at full speed down a forty five degree slope seems like a good way it to was just terrifying. tumble and break your neck. Yeah, it was it was really scary, but it was a lot of fun. 
I would maybe sit on a hubcap and slide down it. I tried sitting on some cardboard to slide down it, but it uh, it was too uh, frictional, frictionous, huh. frictive, fricative. Big piece of ice. Uh, maybe a greased cookie sheet. Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> you need a, a sled that is textured on the bottom like the opposite of sand. I think that's sand again. Yeah, it works like sound. It it cancels each other. Okay, out. sure, yeah. yeah. Just yeah, it's so, just DNA. I mean, yeah, sand gets waveforms from being yeah. close to the ocean, and so yeah, you just do the opposite. That makes sense. Huh. Yeah. Uh but we mostly just uh played games and uh like board games. Board games. Uh we played a bunch of uh, it's not, if it's not getting too into video games territory, we played a bunch of uh um that you don't know Jack mini games from the party packs. You did that in Oregon? Yeah. We did some of that at uh, Christmas too yeah. with our moms. It was great. Who were variously not not into it to super not into it. Your mom was <laughs> super not into it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, my mom was only sort of not into it. She was having a hard time. Yeah. It was just, frustrating. Just so the listeners know I'm making the throat cut gesture over and over again. <laughs> Because these guys are venturing very closely into <laughs> video games territory, well, and it's not we're time. Talking about our, we're talking about our moms. Yeah, okay, okay. And how much they don't like video games. Right. right. Or us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we we specifically rented a house that had a hot tub, because we all definitely wanted to like have a hot tub time at New Year's, uh, where you just sit around in the hot tub. Making soup. Exactly. Uh, and we got there and it was at like 76 degrees and I was like, oh, that's not a hot, it's just a tub at this point. Uh, and so but we tried to figure out how to turn it bigger. on. It is bigger than a regular I, this tub. Is, this is like a, a multi-person tub. I feel like even if I, you know, was normal weight, I wouldn't fit in one of those, like a standard fits in a bathroom tub. Yeah. There, I've seen a lot of tubs that are wide enough for me to get into, certainly, uh, but no, I've never encountered a bathtub that was long enough for me to get into. I wonder if, like, there was some standards body that standardized the size of a tub when people were shorter. Mm, could be. So the standard body for standard bodies? <laughs> right. And they also standardized the shower heights to be way too low. Right. Like, I mean, it's all also, based on the width of a horse. Oh, that's that makes sense. <laughs> uh, uh, so if you're if you're a, a larger than average horse's ass, you're not going to fit in this bathtub. Eh, exactly. You don't think they made horses a particular size because of how big the space shuttle is? Yeah, that's probably. Uh, I mean, Merlin and Benjamin Button did. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's just hard. To, it's it's impossible to tell which decisions were made and, and which ones were reacted to. Oh, like you can add the protagonist to of. Uh, oh, spo- I'm going to spoil things. I'm not going to spoil this great movie. Never mind. I was going to talk about another movie with the, where the protagonist uh, lives a time loop. Oh, but that you oh. don't find out until later? Yeah. I see. Um, I saw a ghost story, which is has a bit of that. Does it? Yeah. It's actually... Oh, I wait, actually so kind of like the ghost story. Oh, I liked, it. Okay. I liked right. it a lot. Yeah, at the very end, he's watching himself. Do you remember that? I don't really. I don't actually remember how it ends. Uh this is, I mean, it's, it is, the, it is so unimportant to the movie, but I'm just going to spoil a little bit. There's like a, a weird sound at the beginning of the movie. You find out that that's the ghost of the dude who's in the house at the time. So there's like a bit of weird time looping thing going on there. And then the ghost, that ghost sees the other, like hit the, his later ghost. <laughs> so it's like he was haunting himself as a ghost. 
which I thought was so good. I was like, oh man, does this just go on forever? And oh, eventually his house is full of ghost houses. And a triple ghost. And yeah. A, mm-hmm. But he, he resolved his like the, his bond to the earth in shortly after this, he, he looped. I did like the scene where the, uh, there's just an, an unsimulated consumption of an entire pie. Yeah. One uninterrupted <laughs> shot by the female lead. That was very good. Um, yeah, what a good movie. I had kind of forgotten about it. Super good. What's the, when's that from? Mm, last year and a half year? ago, maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. Last year is not 2018. So it's yeah, 2017, 20, 20 years. So bathtubs, like in uh, an old west saloon, were just like a like a wash tub, right? Like you can wash yourself. Like for the most part, I think bathtubs were used to clean people as opposed to to luxuriate in oh, after a hard day at the office. What is and the so difference between like, a wash tub and a bath? Kind of sit up and I think of a wash tub as being a circle and yeah. a bathtub as, as okay. being and in, and in fact maybe like a soap. A wash tub is just like a really big barrel at the bottom half of a big barrel. Yeah, or like a big tin like a wide bucket. Big wide bucket. Okay. And you sit in and you wash stuff. And only, I mean, you really only need to immersion clean the filthiest parts of your body. So getting your feet and your genitals and your ass submerged is the only important thing. Why are your genitals so dirty? I don't know. I, I think you, it's you tell me, buddy. I think it's a matter of uh, a con- concavity. Like that's where your legs meet. Okay. Plus, you know, whatever you've been putting them in. Right. Your or legs, or, or you know, seasoning them with. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess your armpits are pretty gross too, but yeah, to submerge your armpits, pretty pretty rough. You gotta, you know, you take some work. Unless you're in a hot tub. Did you ever get it working? No. Uh, yeah. So that, the the point of that story, which I had forgotten that we were even talking about, <laughs> uh, was that we finally figured out how to turn it on, and 48 hours later, it was only like 98 degrees. So we never used it. This has been our experience with almost every hot tub at almost every Airbnb that we yep. have specifically rented because it had a hot tub in it. Yep. Do you think that hot tubs are just a fundamentally bullshit technology? I think I have realized that from now on I'm going to make it very clear when I rent a place that the hot tub needs to be at temperature when we arrive or that I expect a refund of some, of some, one hot tub's worth one of hot tub's rent. worth of rent. Yeah. Uh, so is that by square footage you think or yeah. if you did by, it by like the amount of water? Yeah. Right. So <laughs> They would either have to provide a lot of bottled water for free for the use of their guests to offset the percentage of the rent that the hot tub represented. <clears throat> this is such a this is such drain a the tub. stupid first world problem to have, but the, the, it is annoying. So the water heater, if it has an inline water heater, that also increases the proportion of the rent. Assuming the rent is based on volume of water contained in an object. I it see. could be almost 100%, right? If in a particularly energy efficient house that also had a fucking hot tub, which is... Impossible. Maybe not going to happen. Wait, but. is it was the when you were saying that the proportion of the rent is based on the amount of water, and you said it could be a hundred percent. I was instantly imagining an underwater Airbnb. No, that the hot tub represents a hundred percent of the contained ah, water in the okay. Airbnb. Sorry, I'm because that that would be the way confused. that the most advantageous to you if you were trying to get a discount is inline water heating more energy efficient than a water heater. I don't know. It's a weird. All of this stuff is a weird proposition, right? Because a, a, like fossil fuel powered water heater or home heating system is way cheaper to operate, but the sort of cost to energy output is offset by destroying the world and using up our limited supply of ancient melted dinosaurs. What we gotta do 
is open a Jurassic Park, kill all the dinosaurs, let them sit for millions of years oh, deep underground yeah. in intense pressure and heat. And it's then true. We'll They're the a prices. renewable resource now because of that movie. <laughs> it's pretty good. And then they got a five-star Yelp review. <laughs> <laughs> the end of Jurassic Park. Um, do... Do you think that hot tubs are just bullshit? Because they're, in my experience, they're sort of always broken. I, like, Or maybe it's just a thing that requires more maintenance than an Airbnb is likely to get. We have definitely had, I've never, I have never owned a hot tub. We have definitely rented properties that had hot tubs that were working. I'm thinking of another New Year's house that it we rented. It stopped working uh, after that first night. And it, we never got it back up to temperature again for the rest of the trip. Is it because we had like 18 people in it? it I don't know why. Okay. I think it's just got cold because hot tubs were bullshit. I see. Uh, my hot tub experiences have almost all been like, this is the sh hot tub shared by the apartment complex. It's mm -hmm. next to the pool shared by the apartment complex. And like, I bet those are made more industrial strength than like some house's personal hot tub. And also, there's a guy whose job it is to maintain yeah. it. Yeah, that's like not that's, true of. It's just that, at cool. that scale, it makes it's, it makes a little bit more sense to have a person in, in your employ. Hotels have had hot tubs that I've used and been fine. Oh, that didn't just stand for hotel tub. It did that? not. Oh, <laughs> and then uh, missing out on availing myself of that amenity, assuming it just meant the bathtub in the room. The one cruise ship I was on had had a bunch of hot. That's tub true. Did have multiple objects, hot tubs, and they all were pretty hot. <clears throat> but that was also burning a ridiculous amount of fuel per passenger, so bad scene. Oh, so if your goal is energy efficiency, yeah. you shouldn't do like anything cruise. on a giant vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That that is literally just moving for no purpose other than yeah. the enjoyment of travel. It, the, I I just can't I cannot really sort of wrap my conscience around cruising. Well, don't ever do it again. Okay. It makes me sad because it's like, it was a cool activity. Could have just been a building with all that stuff and all those people in it. Yeah. You could you have... just leave whenever you wanted and you wouldn't drown. You could it's have true. an infant that only sleeps when the car is moving and then you would have every excuse all the time. I thought you were going to say there was an infant that only sleeps when it's on a cruise. When it's on a cruise, yeah. That would <laughs> be very... Like, Jesus, <laughs> champagne like tastes born, from birth. Born <laughs> on a cruise ship. Or else, you know, a natural born pirate. Hmm. Do you think that someone who's born on a cruise ship uh, has is an international criminal because they don't have citizenship? Oh. <laughs> I think it depends on whether they commit any crimes. Well, I mean, either they just being born on a stateless. cruise ship isn't a crime. If you're not born in a country, if you're born in international waters, does that does that mean that you're a pirate? You're a citizen of everywhere. Yeah, mm, or, or nowhere. nowhere. Yeah. What if you're born on the moon? Like, what if? What if you have like some space baby? Do you, what, what, like at what the end of two thousand one. Yeah. <laughs> so you're huge to begin with. Uh, so we're born on a moon of Jupiter. Sure. No. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it'll happen, right? Some someday, maybe in our lifetime, a child will be born in space. I wonder whether that makes childbirth really easy or really difficult. Doing it in zero I mean, g, you'd have to. You'd have not to that have the moon some... is zero g, hmm. but. You need some kind of, like, propelling force to get it out of there. Well, I think the pushing is the propelling force. I don't is, think it's not like gravity. I, yeah, I guess people anything. don't 
don't use gravity. There was man, Why have you ever seen that? that crazy patent diagram? <laughs> no. Somebody invented like uh, a a uh, a uh, a birthing table that utilized centrifugal force to make it easier. <laughs> and uh, it's wow. like, it's the diagram cultures, is pretty funny. <laughs> most cultures squat to give birth. Um and I don't know if gravity has any effect on that. I think it's more about like the shape of the shape the hips take. Do you think the 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 mother would I mean it would just move in the opposite direction? Yeah. To be propelled, <laughs> right? Yeah. What if you had enough uh enough women giving birth simultaneously you could use that to propel the entire vessel. Oh man. If you ran uh, out of gas. That is almost certainly a, a Shintaro Kago short comic. At the expense of like leaving the babies like a trail of babies behind you no th so they'd be inside the ship be, and they oh, would just put their backs against the front wall of the ship oh, and have yeah. babies towards the rear does that work i think that's i think that was the plot, plot of snowpiercer hmm. <laughs> actually does that work like if you no no you, the <laughs> the babies provide the opposite no. force when they hit the wall <clears throat> hit the other wall well but if they you put a pillow there to soften the <laughs> Oh sure, then that makes or sense. Or just have somebody catch them. <laughs> Why is it because is it because the the whole thing is moving at the frame of reference of the spaceship already? Yeah. You, you just... Why is it so? Okay, so you have you have <laughs> two guys on a spaceship. Yeah. One of them farting towards Earth. No, both of them farting towards Earth. Yeah. One of them is inside the spaceship, and one of them is outside the spaceship. You're telling me that only the guy on the outside of the spaceship is contributing yes. to the escape velocity? I am. <laughs> also, his butt has to be exposed to space. Because <laughs> if why it's farting it? inside the spacesuit, it's not going to make a difference. Why is it? Why is the, that so important? That the butt be exposed to space? Yeah. That uh, I like cold butts. <laughs> I cannot lie. <laughs> what have you been up to, Jim? been inventing a a butt that can exist in a hard vacuum <laughs> you just need a very special sort of porthole right only Man. god can invent a butt <laughs> I'm, I'm envisioning like space prolapse and it's not pretty Ugh. that's the new uh the catamites game sure. <laughs> <laughs> i think it would be pretty in the same sense that like bullet hell games have pretty patterns uh. um what have i been up to Jeez, there's a whole bunch of holiday shit that happened. Yeah, um, so this is like baby's first Christmas and baby's first New Year. Yeah, did it have? I bet he didn't give a shit about either of them. Baby's well, first glass of champagne. There were no, <laughs> no, only only via via April. Um, mm -hmm. I he I think he liked the the, the pretty lights on the tree. Okay. Like he's definitely like gotten to the gotten to where like bright moving lights are interesting to him where like oh right like it's been three weeks this has been a lot of like cognitive al development almost a month since we last talked about winston okay um and he is uh do you call him wes i call, sometimes April call him wes, wes. okay is we, wes we just decided we couldn't winston? we couldn't think of a name short for winston that we liked so we just made some shit up wince okay. wince <laughs> stun gun uh that's as long as Winston. That's yeah. Win-win uh, situation. Wit wint. Uh, we, we tried no, a bunch went. of stuff that we didn't like, and so we ended up with Wes. Okay. That seems pretty good. Do you think he'll just Winslow, be Wes from now on? Uh, I mean, I call, will call him both. I will sometime call him Wesker and Winslow and Winton. 
I mean, eventually and, he's wow. going to be like a and buddy, conscious being and you can't treat him as though he's like a cat anymore. So, sometimes I, <laughs> I screw up and call him Bus, which is Little when I started monkey. to call him Buddy and change it to Wes. Okay. Um, yeah, and at Did some go point- go the other way and call him Weddy? Uh, and at some point I'm going to have to stop making like- driving him straight to the dump jokes in Fina's presence. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, as in to get rid of him? Uh, <laughs> yes, that was the joke. Huh. Um, I should probably stop sooner rather than later because, like, I think he starts talking at, like, or, or, or like, understanding words at enough to talk, like, in the next <laughs> few months. <laughs> Um, there's the, a strict schedule and everything other than that is his time and he doesn't have to do work for you anymore right you can't uh you can't have him listen to any of these podcasts oh either god yeah at least 18 right uh-huh because these are very explicit oh my heck are they explicit oh my heck you've you've stubbed your toes like four times since resolving to do to make that change and i haven't heard a single oh my heck i from you I've stubbed my toes zero times since resolving <laughs> well, to make that change. Are you just describing any? I'm I'm just making shit up. Accidental collision with a foreign object I'm, as a stubbing stub. your toe. I'm I'm provoking you into providing context for this joke. Uh, no, it's not going to work. <laughs> okay, <laughs> never mind. The listeners will never know what "Oh my heck" is referring to. Do you have any interesting holiday anecdotes? Or was it just family? We family went business to the Habit, which is a burger place. Do you go there often? I go there. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I would not say I make a habit of it. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Did they pull this as a nun? Glad to help is this you. Tolkien's habit? I don't. I don't get you're, it. Or the. I don't. I don't. I don't. Oh, that's, do you go there and back now. again? Yeah. Uh huh. Did you we, order some some onion rings? <laughs> I have done so, but not this time. So uh, we ordered our bring food you one? and we sat down, and I I didn't hear that, so I'm going to pretend it didn't happen. Riff. <laughs> um, and the kitchen, like something started burning in the kitchen, and there was a visibly in the like, restaurant. Visibly, like you, this is one of those restaurants where, like, you can see the in, into the kitchen and see what's see the hustle and bustle and happening in there. Uh-huh. And like over the next few minutes, progressively more and more of the employees went over to deal with the fire, Jeez. and the kitchen filled with smoke, and and none nobody of them returned. <laughs> Nobody sitting in the uh, seating area of the restaurant reacted to this in any way except one person who took out their phone and started filming. (laughs) And when our food came out, it was delicious because it was smokier than usual. (laughs) (laughs) One of these days, uh, we have to have our uh, pre-show dinner at Lowenda, which is like a steakhouse. Um, and I saw outside the that restaurant today was a giant pallet of firewood that was delivered to the restaurant. I was like, oh, they cook all of their like meat over like a wood stove. That mm. makes a lot of sense. Why it's so good. That's um, how it makes things good. Yeah, wood smoke. It just it, yeah, it just smells like just smells like the trees. <laughs> how was your trip uh, to to parts unknown, Riff? Yeah, it was all right. Uh, saw a couple movies, read a couple books. What books? What, what, uh, what movies? Uh, yeah, you guys have to pick. Do you want the D- movies or both. the books? Let's start with the books. All right. Just so. don't mention any video games. <laughs> um, or, uh, no, they're not mangas or animes, are they? No, they're they were proper books with words. 
Uh, although, although the one of them was, uh, uh, based on a manga. (laughs) Well, it was written by a Japanese guy, um, whose name I can't bring to mind, but it was the guy who wrote, uh, Ringu that the ring movie was based on. Um, but, uh, it turned out not the one I picked turned out to not Tolkien. Uh, the ring movie. No. Oh, I see. Uh, and, and the book, uh, the book I read was called Edge, and uh, it turned out uh, slightly disappointingly not to be horror because I I picked them because I hmm. was looking for some interesting different horror novels. Uh, this one is more. It starts out as a, uh, a, a sort of a missing persons mystery, like a bunch of different people are vanishing unusually, and nobody can figure out why. So it's this. These, uh, these reporters are trying to find out what happened to them. Uh, and then, uh, midway or towards the end of the book, it kind of starts to turn into, uh, like a disaster movie scenario because it, it, it turns out that what is causing these people to vanish is going to happen to everybody. <laughs> hmm. But, uh, it was kind of interesting. It, it, it's super slow, mo- slow moving. So, uh, uh, like it would be easy to be bored by it, but I found it pretty interesting all the way through. It just kind of wasn't what I was looking for, but it was well written. Um, and the other thing I read was called, uh, six of crows, uh, by Lee Bardugo, I think is the author's name. And that was all right. That that's kind of a, that's like a young adult, uh, novel kind of thing the uh the plot was basically uh like if you imagine the kids from harry potter except instead of going to wizard school they're in a victorian street gang and they're doing like an elaborate oceans 11 kind of thing uh and it was that was all right uh although you had to every time somebody mentioned their age you had to like add 10 or else it just sounded really stupid because, like, no way these characters are 14 years old. Uh, but, yeah, that was fun. People matured much faster in, in olden times. Yeah, is it because in, they in were complaining times. about how their their hips and knees hurt? Or <laughs> Just that they, they uh, like, would not have been able to have the amount of experience to acquire the skills that they had. In that they, wouldn't short have been able to, of time. they wouldn't have been able to rent cars at the discount level that they were renting. Right, them at. exactly. Um, and the movies I saw were uh, Spider Verse, which was super awesome, and Mandy, which was crazy awesome. So, well, good. I went to Disneyland after New Year's, and that was fun. Uh, nothing super remarkable happened, but I was uh, riding the Indiana Jones ride, and as soon as uh, the Jeep went into the initial room the ride shut down and all the lights came on and then we were in there with all the lights on for maybe 15 minutes while the staff members were just kind of walking around what trying did to you figure out to whether see? they were going to have to evacuate people or not not a lot actually um the way that ride starts is that there's a you go into this chamber with three doors in it and it used to be that the walls would move to make it look like you were going into one of three doors they've since replaced it with just some like uh projection mapping effects to make it as Uh though you're going through one of three doors, but the other ones aren't anything. Um, 
I don't really know how it worked to begin with, but uh, do you get tra- traced <clears throat> by a boulder at some point? You do, yeah, at the very end. Um, the ride changes a little bit depending on which of the three doors uh, it picks, oh. like which of the three thematic things that it picks. That's cool. Not super different. There are certain like scenes that are that are lit up for you under certain circumstances, Ooh. and you get different audio. They should give uh, all the riders a button so that you can vote to see what choice you make. Um, so we were in the, they, it was interesting to see how it spins back up after a malfunction. It was, they are like, this ride is going to start up again in two minutes. All staff, get out of here. And then this ride is going to start up again in one minute. All staff, seriously, get out of here. And it was like, this ride is going to start up in 15 seconds and the vehicles will immediately be moving at full speed. Whoa. So brace yourself. It's like, holy shit. Wow. Like, we were at a kind of a slow part, so it wasn't a big deal for us. But like, there are parts of it where that would have been extremely jarring. Um, wow. So the ride starts moving, uh, and we got through the first couple of rooms with all the lights still on. I was oh. hoping to be out in the, th- that ride, you go through kind of a corridor, and then you go through another corridor, and then the entire rest of the ride is sort of looping through one big open area that you approach from a lot of different angles and see a different, a lot of different parts of it. Um, but it's, but it's one good sized open area and, you wanted to and I wanted to see that with the lights on and I did not but um but so the lights the cars are moving took a while for the lights to turn off again and then they did and then the animatronics all spun back up kind of slowly wow and then the audio came on uh, just obviously someone turning a volume knob <laughs> to turn it back up over the course of you know 15 seconds or whatever all of this <laughs> all of this happened in like the third room of the ride. And then they just let us ride it twice in a row for as an apology for the hmm. for the delay. Did you get the same of the three doors? Uh, no, we got different ones. We did ride the we, we we rode Star Tours three times and got the exact same sequence oh. all three times. Wow. Leading us to believe that maybe they're just running just that sequence huh. now. There was a little bit of variation, but it used to be there's like a phase one and a phase two and they had i think a phase one and a phase two for every movie um but we always ended up like without fail you'd end up in the fucking pod race it was just pod race (laughs) the odds are if there were three options that's still one and eight there were six though right like i never saw the hoth sequence it was it was great the first time we were in line i was like you know what i just want to see something new like i want to be flying through the crashed star destroyer on Tatooine, which then Jake corrected me. Uh, I think you mean Jakku. Uh, because, right, I forgot that Ray does not live on Tatooine. Just the other undifferentiated desert, desert planet, planet that's sure. not Tatooine. Uh, and I said, <laughs> and I would even take that salt field just to see something new. Like, I would rather see that thing than the Padres. And then it was exactly those in that, in that sequence every time we did it. Um, Got got a lot of sneak peeks of Star Wars land, like from the tops of roller coasters and stuff, and that's pretty good. Cool. Looking looking like it's a pretty big land, and I'm pretty excited about going to Star Wars land and immersing myself in a galaxy open? of fantasy. Uh, a couple months, three months, four months. Jeez. Yeah, not not long. How how often do you go to Disneyland? Mm, lately, More like now. lately, like twice a year. Okay. Um, yeah, I did buy an annual pass <laughs> this time because I we were just like. Are we going to come back twice this year? If so, it's worth it to buy this pass. And I was like, yes, let's just come back twice this year. It's mostly, I mostly do it as a 
as a, especially now that they don't live here anymore, uh, as a opportunity to hang out with Jake and his wife. They're, sure. they're the like sort of constant. Some, some other people go, but it's, yeah. Um, the reason I'm asking is I'm curious, like, I, I know that Disneyland is built on a, like a fixed plot of land. And so if they're going to add something <laughs> new, they have to remove something or modify something. They, and so I'm curious, like how quickly that happens. Um, they were working on it as of like two years ago, I think is when they shut down. They, what they did was they, they cut off a loop of the river around, I don't even think it was around Tom Sawyer Island. Like they, I don't think that they made Tom Sawyer Island any smaller. It's really not, there used to be like a weird petting zoo. Hmm. There was a, there was a section of Disneyland that felt hmm. a lot like a Renaissance festival and like, it was a weird thing that you would not have expected to be in a modern theme park. I don't really have a great sense of what else they got rid of. It does not seem like they lost as much space as they gained. And so I don't know if there was just backlot area that they reclaimed or maybe they bought some more land from somebody. Right. I don't know. But it's good. If you're willing to spend a little money, there's a lot of very good restaurants and bars in the sort of Disneyland adjacent area in like California Adventure and in downtown Disney. I feel like it's it's probably just a totally different experience for people with families too. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> and if it's like this is my one trip to Disneyland for my life or whatever, it, right. it'd be a real bummer if a ride's broken down. Whereas we go and it's like we're not going to wait in line for something for more than like 15 minutes, right? Like just get a fast pass, go ride something that doesn't have a line. Are there, are there enough things that don't have lines that you can manage? Them? There are enough things with short lines usually. And there's an app now that just yeah, it gives you real-time data about how long the waits are at every ride. So it's like, I'll just go do something else. Do you you see... can always do the Tarzan treehouse. Okay. <laughs> there's never any line for that because it's just a boring thing you walk through. Oh, huh. And there's a few other things. There's never any line for the uh, Little Mermaid ride in California Adventure because it's very bad. Huh. So you can go ride that and then talk and think about how bad it was. That seems odd that they would have a bad thing there. Yeah, it's weird. The, like, story of it is bad. The execution of it is bad. It seems like it was made very cheaply. Hmm. I mean, I guess it's for children. Really, all of this is for children, if we're being honest. Yeah, but that's... not the Star Wars stuff. Maybe it's for, for bad children. Mm. Oh, uh, okay. That's that's where you take the children that suck to that part. Or maybe like one of Walt, one of Walt Disney, or one of Michael Eisner's children misbehaved, and they were like, "Well, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Because of what you did, we're gonna make a we're gonna make a Little Mermaid ride, but it's gonna suck." <laughs> and whenever you see the disappointment on the faces of all of the children in the future who see this, I want you to think about what you did. <laughs> we'll put a picture of you at the exit that says "His fault." <laughs> Well, also, all these kids are going to hate The Little Mermaid thanks to you. Oh, wow, yeah. Do kids even know what The Little Mermaid is anymore? I guess kids know about all Disney princesses. Do they? That seems likely. Yeah. Remember when she wasn't really a princess, though. Was, oh, I guess she was. She was Neptune's daughter. They're always a princess. Okay. So suddenly, like, we go from jolly to old, su super surly for no apparent reason. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not surly. Are you surly? I yeah. feel like my and don't mood, call me surly. mood has, has dipped <laughs> mm -hmm. considerably. I'm sorry. That's Can right. we cheer you up by talking about video games? 
<laughs> okay, you're going to need to redo that segue so that we're not referring to some conversation that we didn't just have. <laughs> you guys ready to get happy? <laughs> Woo! Right. Let's give it a go. I haven't been this happy since 1923 <laughs> when I read a bunch of cool religious poetry. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to talk about video games? Yeah, that'd be great. Sure. Jim, what video games have you been playing? Oh, we're, we're getting right into it. All right. Um, I played, uh, did I talk about Spyro last time? Mm -hmm. Did I like it? Yes. Have you changed your mind? <laughs> I uh, no, but I did change my mind at some point. I'm trying to remember if I need to talk about that. I don't remember a turn. I don't remember Spyro making a heel turn. Re make, give us a recap. Uh, Spyro, Spyro one. I played the the first game in the Spyro Reignited Remaster Trilogy thing, um, and I really liked it. And um, a lot of that was because of. Like its willingness to kind of just drop you into a situation and let you figure out what's happening. Um, but it's also relying really heavily on like, uh, tropes from like Looney Tunes or from Don Bluth animation. Um, and that stuff kind of doesn't really turn me off, but it's just not interesting to me. Um, and I, I, uh, I really enjoyed that game up until the final boss, which like, took a real hard uh it was a really hard difficulty spike in a game that i thought had been really tasteful with its difficulty curve up until that point um what's the boss fight like uh all the boss fights in that game are platforming challenges so you are chasing a boss around a obstacle course um which is really smart for a platformer like so many platformers like when when they try to get to you know at a boss fight they try to add dumb combat mechanics that don't really fit with the style of gameplay um is but, there generally no combat in spyro uh the, the combat is things like um you have two attacks you have a fire attack and you have a charge attack and enemies can be weak to one or the other and so a lot of it is just like dodging in while they're doing their wind up and doing the attack that they're weak to it's usually over in an instant um and it's it's pretty satisfying like the the immediacy of of the effect is very like it never stops being satisfying um and the combat for the boss fights is like you're doing that except these guys guys are like running away and throwing shit behind them at you and that sort of thing uh, and you have to catch up. Um, and the boss, the final boss fight specifically is one where you are like racing around, uh, chasing this guy around like a fairly narrow path over in into the death kind of pit. And then if you fall into that pit, the whole fight restarts. It's kind of a bummer. Um, how long does a retry take? I, it's hard to say for sure. I think it takes like two minutes. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. That's a lot of time. That's forever in a video game. But it was like 96, maybe 97. So a minute was less time in that in 1997. Because you were younger, you mean? <laughs> That's right. It's, a minute was more time. The summer seemed to last forever. But you value your time less. Do you think a minute seemed longer when you were a kid? I feel like if I just sit and like watch a minute go by now, it seems to take for fucking ever. And I don't remember ever doing that as a kid. I bet it would have taken a similarly, a similar perceived amount of time. I think you're probably right. Remember that character in Catch-22 who 
tried to be as bored as possible all the time so that he would live longer. <laughs> uh, I've been doing that, but with being like, um, not sure if I'm going to be able to make rent. Okay. It's, it's worked out great. Um, and then I played, uh, Spyro two, which is the next game on the disc. And it's awful. This is a, like, they went from a really tasteful, like, um, like tutorialization, the way they handled it to like endless dialogue bubbles, people talking to you. And there's like a fucking, there's a sexy chipmunk in the first two minutes and like quest design where like I talked about last time, I think I talked about there's a, in the first game, there's a puzzle where you have to figure out that if, when you, when you stun one of these enemies, that makes the cylinder that they're attached to rise up and so you have to stun one and then run over to the cylinder that it, that it's attached to so in order to like lift yourself up to the next elevation point that you're trying I, to get to this sounds familiar all of a sudden but i feel like you were talking about this as though it was a clever uh, no i'm, I'm talking about something from the previous game oh, now. okay all right in the new game that's an example of like uh, what i thought was good puzzle design okay. like interesting puzzle interactions in the new game the puzzles are are like you go, walk up and you push a button to talk to a raccoon or so I forget what the animals were, but there's this raccoon who's like, Hey, I need you to come follow me and throw rocks at, at, at rats. And so you follow this map, this raccoon walking at like a walking pace for like 30 seconds. And then it switches to a mini game where you're throwing a rock at a rat. And then that same thing happens again, five more times. And that's the quest. Well, you got to get rid of all five rats or they're just going to breed and make more. Right. And like that, that could have been that idea could have been done well um you could have had the rats like this this is a puzzle mechanic where you have to fucking throw rocks at six rats somewhere in every level and then the challenge becomes as you explore the level you find each rat oh that'd be good like yeah. those little frogs in snake eater was it snake sure eater? i, it was I one assume that's a thing there is none, one, none of one us of the, are gonna know. What, <laughs> they're one of the metal. I think it was Snake Eater. One of the Metal Gear Solid games. If you looked around the environment really carefully and frequently with a sniper scope, there were like little rubber frog bathtub toys hidden, and if you shot them, then they would rib it, and shooting them all got you something. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like it might be fun. What did they, what did you get? I don't remember. Was there ever one like in a bathtub? I'm going to, I don't think I saw a bathtub in that game. I'm going to venture a guess that what you get by shooting the frog is more of the game's soundtrack, soundtrack on the in-game iPod that your character has. <laughs> um, so what was another quest? Oh, that's this sounds fascinating. I really want to learn. <laughs> I stopped from playing the quest design after have, one quest. Yeah, after one quest, that what was if it enough. Gets better. Uh, what if? What if it gets better? Maybe someone will write in and tell me about it. I'm probably <laughs> going to try the third game at some point, um, which I hear like I, I complained about this on Twitter, and multiple people told me that two is the worst one. Hmm. So I'll try. You don't think the first quest in the third game is just going to be like, all right, Spyro, I'm going to need you to follow me around. For 45 minutes, and don't get far enough away from me uh, for this meter to start blinking, or you'll fail and have to start over. And also, uh, every uh, every 
30 to 90 seconds, you're going to have to hit a random button on the controller within one second of it being uh, displayed, or you'll fail the quest also. Maybe the... Take a break. I actually have to pee again. Maybe the first quest in Spyro 2 is you hit a button and Spyro turns to face the camera and apologizes for the first quest in Spyro 2. Uh, okay, I should or play this game. Or maybe he apologizes for the first quest in Spyro 3, and you're like, holy shit, is Spyro <laughs> Benjamin buttoning? <laughs> is this? Is it too late? Are we supposed to be talking with the door jar? Oh, it, I think it's fine. We, we're uh, we're going to take a little break, Riff. Okay. Uh, it's too late. We're recording again. We we, ne- we were never not recording. Okay. We're never we're not about- recording? Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Just look how bad he is at looking in this. <laughs> He's just like... He looks we're, bad. We're going to release a special episode that's like Riff's most embarrassing farts. <laughs> <laughs> just check this shit out. He's just like terrible at using his eyes. In this. Yeah? That's, that's from like November. Is he better now? He's way better at looking now. It's cool. Babies. What else have you been playing besides Spyro 3? I played a little bit of uh, Two. Burnout Paradise Remastered, hmm. which is on... I bought it on PS4. I have PlayStation Plus, so I bought it for like $6, and I was like, I'll, I'll pay $6 for this game. Is which Burnout I, Paradise the one where you crash a lot? That's all of the Burnout games. Okay. Well, no, right? The one after that stopped having that crash mode thing. Really? I think you still crash while racing, though. You do, but the thing... I think Burnout Paradise still had the, like, good mini-game where it's just, like, you get one run-up to this scene yeah. to cause as much damage that's as the possible. Thing that, that's the thing that's in that game. Yeah. Burnout Paradise is the one that's in an open-world city. Okay. Uh, which is why I played it, because, like, when I was... I was on a real, like, loving GTA games, that sort of thing, kick when I back when it was released. Um, and... It doesn't start super strong. Like, it starts with a lot of, like, explaining how the game works, like, telling you how you you push the right trigger to accelerate and that sort of thing. Um, but once it gets going, like, you can really get into a zone of just, like, I'm at this intersection. Every intersection has a an event you can do. Um, and you just start racing shit, exploring the city, crashing through signs. Uh, you can collect billboards by running into them. Oh, neat. I think if you, uh, I think in the original version of the game, the, the billboards like had different images on them, but in this one, it's just the, the burnout logo, huh. uh, which is a, do you think they actually sold ad space? Yeah, on it? I, 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 it's not, that's what I remember it being. But I could be misremembering, and it's not like I. That might be just some dystopian, like, PC gamer article that got written about what it would be I like mean, if we were connected to the internet all the time. Games of that era did, like, I remember Crackdown had ads on the in game billboards, like, real. And I. Yeah, that was a, that was a weird time. Like, do you remember when uh, Hellgate London had ads in the subway and they were all for, like, the Hellgate London novelization? What a weird fictional conceit that is. <laughs> because in in the world of Hellgate London, the Hellgate novelization would just be like a history book that right. ended in the future. <laughs> like <laughs> That'd be a great thing to write an ad for. Just in, like an, on, it's on, an ongoing up to the minute novelization of the world as it currently is right now. 
good. Yeah. So do you think, okay, how, this is fucked up. Do you think that the reason that they didn't have like a Coca-Cola billboard in Burnout Paradise is because they couldn't clear the use of a Coca-Cola ad with Coca-Cola to I, include it? Or do you think it was like streaming ads in from some paid ad service on the original Xbox 360 or something? I, I think it probably is like they had to do legal wrangling to do this sort of thing um, initially, and then those contracts expired and they didn't, it wasn't worth doing the legal wrangling again. Is my guess. If, if that happened. made up funny billboards. Yeah, I don't know if they have any funny people at Criterion anymore. Hmm. Uh, and I played, um, I played Yakuza Zero, which I've been tweeting incessantly about. Yeah. What kind of video games are Yakuza? So the Yakuza, have you played, have any, has anybody here played Shenmue? Yeah. I feel like I yeah. know about it from Riff describing it. It's sort of like, if Heavy Rain was a rhythm game about punching guys. Okay. I uh, Maybe this isn't going to be a helpful. No? I actually haven't played Shenmue, but the way Yakuza feels, it um, it's makes like me all think QTE, of the way... Right? Like, isn't Shenmue just a game that's one 45-hour long QTE? It, I think what you're thinking <laughs> of is like how they put any gameplay at all in a game that is entirely about walking around and like looking at shit. Yeah. Um, that's just like the it's just the crazy open world like system, yeah so yakuza yakuza game. is a game it's it's Shinra. structured like a jrpg in that like here's a bunch of cutscenes, and then you're running around an open world for a while and then you bump into some like street thugs and you have to punch them and there's your combat encounter yeah um and it's all very modal so like that is basically shenmue okay yeah um and you're it's 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 structured kind of like a it's structured kind of like GTA in that you can run around and do a bunch of like you meet people and do quests for them, but it it feels very like play wise it feels extremely stilted and modal where like anytime you are doing something other than walking around. It feels almost like they're loading a separate executable to like play that mini game. And in some cases, this is probably literally true. Like you can walk up to an arcade cabinet and play Space Harrier. Yeah. Which is, which Wait, I think is, was you can also, what's up? Yeah. I was just going to say, can you, it's actually Space Harrier in Yakuza? Yeah. It's in Yakuza. It's, it, well, it's so, so it's set in. That is deliberately a reference to Shenmue then, because that's well, what it was in that too. I think it's just the game, the best game they owned from the era. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, so this game is set in Tokyo in 1989, specifically in the... I want to put a pin in a Space Harrier anecdote. Yeah. So we don't forget to talk about it after this. Sure. Yeah. Um, this set, the game is set in, um, in specifically in like the entertainment slash red light district in Tokyo in 1989. And it opens with like you and... Either, I don't know if he's literally your brother or if he's your, like, Yakuza brother, like your sworn brother or something like that. Like, going on a bar crawl around, uh, uh basically, like, the, the ref, the visual referent that it made me think of was Blade Runner, but I'm sure it's the other way around, uh, where Blade Runner looks like the entertainment district in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Um, walking around this, like, extremely, like, just, coded in neon signs and loud like music composed entirely of orchestra hits um drunk stumbling around um and 
like talking about fashion and singing karaoke and there are karaoke mini games, uh, which is an incredibly strong opening. Like for me, at least as like, I love a game that will give me a good sense of a place and of a, a lifestyle. Realm, if you were, is the, yes. is the entertainment uh-huh. of district of Tokyo a realm? It definitely is. Definitely counts. This talking about this, you talking about this makes me think of like Fable Two. Okay, I mean because it's like an open world within a lot of extremely modal mini games. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty apt. Combat wasn't one. Combat was actually. Yeah, I would imagine. I think in Fable, like you could swing your sword while you were just running around. Yeah, just not while you were blacksmithing. Or right. Yeah, that's that's I would say that's probably a good comparison. Um I am probably a lot more interested in Tokyo in 1989 than I am in, you know, a, the a fantasy realm like Fable. Um but at least you admit that it's a realm. It's certainly a realm. Uh a lot of this game is just thumbing through dialogue which like a lot which is kind of it's really slowly paced uh, in, in it's kind of fractally slowly paced, honestly, where like every line takes longer to, to finish than it should. And there are way more lines of dialogue than there should be in every conversation. <laughs> and there are way more conversations between interesting <laughs> things that happen in the story than there should be. Um, but the high moments are really good. I was going to say, is the writing just boring or is it so like i would say i like if i were in charge of editing this game i would cut out probably 80 percent of the dialogue but like there are some really extremely good parts of it and i'm not certain how like looking back on it it's hard for me to say like how much of that is part of the mainline story and how much is side quests so like some parts i really enjoyed um early on in the game you meet uh the only white person in the game, I think he's called aging foreigner. Um, and this game has multiple, uh, polished levels of cutscenes. where like, so there are some cutscenes with FMV and voiceover. And there are some cutscenes with like 3d animation and voiceover. And there are some cutscenes with 3d animation and no voiceover. And just like the dialogue FMV appears with actors. Uh, no, there it's, it's CG. Okay. But it's um it's clearly a higher quality render than the software render or the real time render. Okay. And then there's some scenes with like just uh static 2D and the dialogue you thumb through. And so like I, I'm really not clear on how they chose like what level of polish to give what scene and like it switches between them in the same conversation. But this character isn't given a voice. Uh he's just kind of given this sound that he makes when his dialogue appears. And it's like, eh. <laughs> um, which is, I guess what Japanese think Americans sound like. <laughs> Accurate. And sometimes he says, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he tells you like, he had just seen you fight somebody. You would fight, you would, there were a couple of drunks in your way and you beat them up and then they became sober which never happens any other time in the game, but like this is just like one power you have in this one piece of combat. Um, so this guy sees you fight, and he tells you about investing in yourself, 
about how you're such a good fighter, but you're never going to get anywhere if you don't invest in yourself. And you ask him what this means. And he says, you know, you want to invest in yourself literally. And then it pops up a skill tree where you can put money into new combat moves. <laughs> um, and then later there's a, uh, there's a character you meet, which is like a, a beat cop uh, who is re- who like repeatedly does stop and frisks on you. And so you, you walk up to this guy and what stop and frisk means in this case is like, he asks you like, show me something you're holding and you get to pick something out of your inventory. And like, I gave him a Mandarin orange and he says, Oh yes, that's extremely safe. Be on your way. <laughs> <laughs> so if all you had was guns, would you be in trouble? I don't know. Is it I just like encouraging you to engage with the other systems. Like, that's uh, I, yeah i don't know uh, and then like a friendship meter went up um <laughs> we both like oranges <laughs> and there are these characters that will like hand you pocket tissues as you pa- tissues as you pass them on the street so i walked up to one of these guys and he like made a gesture of like giving something to me so i pushed the button to interact with him and then a dialogue like not a dialogue but like a window popped up that said pocket tissues one star out of 10 so I'm trying to figure out still how to get my pocket tissues rating to more than one star. <laughs> are you sure that but, wasn't just like, these are extremely low quality pocket tissues? I guess it yeah. you just need to like improve the wealth or of the realm in general. Is, this, to... is a, this is a low quality item in general, perhaps. Yeah, I guess it could be one of those. Um, there's a lot of this game I don't understand. but like, <laughs> Is it in, in English? Uh, yeah, it's been translated. Well, the, the, the voiceover is all still in Japanese. Okay. But it's all been translated. And like... It's translated like that. So you, you run into that, uh, the aging foreigner again and they, yeah, eh, yeah. and he, he, <laughs> he, he introduces you to somebody as a fisting artist <laughs> and the guy corrects him and he's no, no, I'm a punch out artist. And I just thought like, and clearly this is like, okay, he's far, he's not from around here. So he's going to make word mistakes, but it was just really weird to me that he was like this game is in English and this guy is American and he made a, a mistake that someone not from America would make in America. (laughs) Anyway, like I, I, I'm really enjoying, these are the moments that I talk about when I say it has very high, high points. Mm. Um, but a lot of the game is extremely serious, which is like, I, it's it's not like it's done poorly, but it's just not what I'm there for. But then it bounces like it it, it bounces between these really um like a really erratically like it it'll bounce between them sometimes to good effect. Like there's a scene where like the protagonist has just been like kicked out of the yaku no he quit the yakuza in order to like um in order to it has some sort of like gesture that that backfired and so he's kind of like fucked up in a major way and so you see the scene where like he is like he falls to his knees in the rain and kind of looks up at the sky and then the game like it cuts to a couple of passers-by who are staring at him and like what the fuck's up with this guy (laughs) which like I don't know if that's like uh, an acknowledgement that these two tones kind of 
clash like hell, but it might be. Is, like, and you might not know this, because I, I can imagine that it would be very hard to, like, we can sort of read what the overall kind of shitty tone of a GTA game is. Right. Right. Like, we see that the the popular brand of motor scooter is called Fagio, and we think, oh, okay. Yeah. I gotcha. I know some stuff about the people who wrote this. Right. Now, you wouldn't know that if it was the same joke translated, right? So, like, what what is the tone of the Yakuza games in general? Like, how do, what does a Japanese gamer... Which I would describe as a true gamer, right? Unlike us, uh, think of these games. Are they are they funny? Are they serious? I I, I think the the parts that I've described as funny are are they they're pretty clearly intentionally funny. Yeah. Um, I don't know what their reputation is in Japan, mm-hmm. um, but the reputation among the Americans I've talked to about the games are that these games are both like they have their serious moments and they have their funny moments and i think that's kind of what they like about them um and i'm not sure i like it i i i I kind of put up with the serious moments to get to the funny moments yeah i mean i guess the gta games are also like constantly shifting between serious and funny yeah well even comedy in the writing and there's just goofball shit that happens I yeah, mean, and even and in the GTA, like, like GTA, the early GTAs especially had like serious and goofball shit happening in the gameplay too. Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, like this game does not have any um, sort of, and I talked about this on Twitter too. Like this game is extremely conservative in terms of like anytime something interesting happens in this game, a designer decided it should happen. Like, there really isn't much in the way of systems that can interact with each other in an interesting way. Um, it's an extremely conservative um, kind of design ethos, um, which is kind of a bummer, but also, like, it's still interesting. It's still lots of interesting things happening. So. And I mean, I guess it lets them at least tell the story that they're trying to tell. Right, and I'm sure to... it's, like, I'm sure it's it, it made the development time much much less stressful in terms of like bug fixes and budget yeah yeah the space Harrier. i read a story about space harrier yeah uh the the reason that in one of the later levels that the color palette was all screwy (laughs) was because internally to that studio there was one manager that would always come through and if like the graphics looked good on a game he was like all right game's done ship it (laughs) and so the designers would just deliberately make the graphics look terrible until the very end as a way of getting more sort of time budget and that one of those palettes one of the crazy ass palettes that they went with was just from like it might have even been that they like built a hardware switch yeah, to randomly yeah. shuffle That's the palette what I was that they would just hit yeah. when that guy was coming into the room yeah, yeah they I have like an have, emergency make the graphics suck button. yeah that's really f- <laughs> like the like a, a boss key yeah. That yeah makes your game look bad that's genius i love that and i think it just randomly landed on one that they were like oh wait this is actually really good and so they i don't know the fuck wrote it down right yeah. memory capture or something like, <laughs> they took a photo and then recreated it yeah just with a polaroid and they sent it into activision they're like, what? This game hasn't come out yet. How can we give you a patch? <laughs> also, are you Benjamin Button? <laughs> oh yeah, 
I guess Benjamin Button, whenever he gets, whenever he notices that there's a patch on his jacket for being really good at River Raid, he's like, ah, shit, I better get good at River Raid. <laughs> I better be good at River Raid. And yeah, then slowly I, get worse I, I at it better over time. have been good yeah. at River Raid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, what's funny uh, is that I think Benjamin Button was not actually living his life backwards. I think he was correct. just aging backwards. Right. Yes. I, oh, oh. This is more Merlin. <laughs> but I think that, but it's only the Merlin of the Once and Future King, right? Like, it's not broadly considered to be a canonical Merlin moment. I've heard the Merlin living backwards thing before from other sources. Well, living backwards is the best revenge. <laughs> but well, Once and Future King is kind of old. So That's true. You might have, they might have gotten it from there anyway. Uh, did any of you guys watch slash play Bandersnatch? Living backwards is the best egg never. Okay. <laughs> it is never the best egg. That's right. Uh, I, I started watching it and then paused it because I realized I had to actually pay attention. Huh. I have not yet watched it. Oh, well, okay. Guess we won't talk about that. And Riff doesn't even own a TV, so he just doesn't have Netflix. It's true. Riff and, Riff and Jeff Gersman don't have Netflix. He was talking about that. Oh, uh, Jake told me that I had to tell our podcast listener about this dream that I had. Uh, I had a dream that I was getting LASIK, but it was a kind of LASIK that they, um, that they had to put you out completely for. And I woke up from the anesthesia in the middle of the procedure and I was like on a table being operated on and Jeff Gersman was like looming over me. <laughs> I had gone to sleep listening to the giant bombcast. Uh, Jeff Gersman was looming over me. And then when he saw that I was awake and aware of his presence, he was like, Oh shit. And left. And I later learned that, uh, Chris Remo had learned that he was going blind. And so he had hired Jeff Gerstman to infiltrate my LASIK surgery and steal my eyes <laughs> so that he could then transplant them into his own eye sockets and not lose his vision. That, that sounds right. That sounds yeah. like something Chris Remo would it's, do. It really yeah, doesn't. Yeah. You know, that's not on brand. It's not on brand. I So I got a Christmas card from Chris and his wife, and it doesn't look like Chris. And every once in a while, I walk into my kitchen. I'm like, who the fuck is that? Oh, right. It's just Chris, you know, with a weird sort of quasi super serious look on his face. And I think it must have just been like seeing that. Mm. I don't know. Anyway. The Chris that is not on brand. Yeah. The, not, the off brand Chris. And so even <laughs> oh, the Chris in my dreams, who would normally never hire Jeff Gersman to steal my eyes. <laughs> right? uh, Jeff Gersman moonlighting as a eye as harvester eye for fire. <laughs> Yeah. God, that remember there was that uh, that World War Two poster that was like "Give your eyes to the army." Whoa. It was it was yeah. about like enlisting as a lookout or something, but it was like <laughs> real ominous if all you did was look at the words. Anyway, uh, you guys should do Bandersnatch so we can talk about it. Sure. Is a choose your own adventure book a game? That's the that's the debate I want to settle. Let's have a debate about what is and isn't a game, Oh, guys. good. <laughs> Great. We've already had to cut out one conversation. Now people are going to wonder what it was about. Uh, it's a mystery for the ages. That was the, f that was the first mention. <laughs> is that all you played? 
You could have like a bonus cast that's just the <clears throat> just the terrible parts of this terrible podcast. Parts. <laughs> that's where we will also put all the words we weren't allowed to use because we already used them once. <laughs> right. Because we already what them once? <laughs> In alphabetical order. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. We should alphabetize the entire podcast. Someday, if any, if one of these startups that uh, just transcribes all podcasts, thus making podcasts Googleable and ruining the world forever, uh, because every even remotely left wing podcast will suddenly just get irradiated by Gamergate. <laughs> uh, anyway, we will be able to just alphabetize the podcast, and it'll be great. <laughs> No more games, Jim? That's pretty much it. Any games, Kevin? Uh, yeah, I actually played a bunch of games over the past couple of weeks. Um, on, buddy. There was a Steam sale, and then there was like a Switch sale, and then I got some games for my birthday. So, How do you know about a Switch sale? I just check every day. Hmm. I'm often looking to see what they are highlighting. I'm looking sort of like for work informational purposes anyway, so I'm like, I'll just check the great deals um there's some interesting sort of like chart manipulation practices that they're trying there's like one company that has a game that's like it's fine but they sell it for like 19 cents and it is always near the top of the top seller charts because they're based on number of units sold yeah um and then if you buy that you immediately get a coupon to get like 20 percent off their new game or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's kind of clever. Just have like have a game that you are willing to basically give away for free. Other people will just use their like coin points on to get. And then did you play it? Yeah, I spent like five ten minutes playing. It's like a it's a multiplayer platformer game. It's called Bouncy Bob. It's not good, but it's not terrible either. Um. So would you say it's worth nineteen cents? Yeah, it's worth nineteen cents. Which is why it's a top seller. <laughs> Um, so, uh, one of the games that I got was Watch Dogs 2, uh, and I sort of suffered through the tutorial, which I did not like, so that I could actually just get into San Francisco, and then I spent probably three or four hours sort of driving around this sort of weird nightmare version of San Francisco. Yeah, that's, (laughs) I, I really liked that aspect of that game, and the rest of it could take or leave, but it's... The city is just so wrong. It's like all the it's landmarks. It's so wrong, but it's so right. The landmarks are there, but the... There's no Salesforce Tower, though. There is. Oh, really? Yeah, it's there. It was built after Salesforce Tower? I think they might have updated they it. They patched it in? <laughs> I think it's possible. Huh. Uh, yeah, no, the skyline is remarkably current. Um, the, the The thing I remember liking most from that game was that there's an app on your phone where... I think you get XP by taking selfies in front of, oh yeah, in front of landmarks. Yeah, you're told when you're near a landmark, in, like the yeah Ubisoft offices or whatever, right? Or like the the guy stacking rocks who yells at you for taking a selfie in front of him. Okay. Uh, Mission Dolores Park. I was I I wanted to find like my apartment in the city, but it doesn't exist because the city is just so chopped up and like. <clears throat> Not being familiar with Chicago, the original Watch Dogs was like, okay, this is sort of like Chicago, I guess. I don't know. I I don't care. 
But being, I mean, it seems like it would be really boring as a video game world if it were re- if it were rendered down to the fidelity of individual buildings at normal scale, maybe? right? Like it wouldn't look cool. Yeah, I feel like the the scale of it has to it has to they have to have shrunk it down. If, in, if you're not familiar or... with the city, it feels like San Francisco, right? If like all of the like architecture is good, and they have all of the like they even sort of iconic stuff, even living in the. Uh, it, Bernal Hill doesn't exist. Just no Bernal Hill. They cut out Bernal wow. Hill entirely. Wow. Yeah, it's like it's like it's Way like whitewash me out of history. Soma, Soma, and then Mission Dolores is the is the southern part of the city. I see the edge of the the southern edge of Mission Dolores. I see, so you can't go to La Lengua. You can't go to La Lengua. <sighs> As someone who lives in the East Bay, I, I thought this was pretty tongue. close. Really? Yeah. Because they did a real abbreviated oh, version well, sure. of Berkeley but, and Oakland. But I meant of the San Francisco part was pretty close. Oh, I see. I thought it was very clever how <laughs> they um, they made, uh, oh, I forgot the name of the lake now, and I fucking live near there. Lake Merritt? Lake Merritt, basically be a bay. Hmm. Like it's attached to the, or it's attached, it's part of the bay. Okay. Um, and so they have like the inner uh, inner corner of it that's actually, the, you, it, it, it looks like. They made like made it look like Lake Merritt, but then like they didn't have space for an actual lake, so they just attached it to the rest of the the water. If you die, do you respawn in Colma and have to run back to your graves? <laughs> 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 uh, for those of you who don't live in the Bay Area, Colma is the only place it's al- you're it's allowed to die in the Bay Area. There are no cemeteries in the city except for like a couple that have been grandfa- great 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 grandfathered in. Um, so yeah. Colma is like a city that is all, it's like more corpses than people. Sure. I think by orders of magnitude, yeah. yeah. Uh, there are some weird, like Sutro Tower was a weird military installation. Oh, For sick. all I know, that's real. Okay. Uh, yeah, there were like little weird areas were controlled by gangs so that like, as, I, as I was driving around, driving around, I'd like go to this park and then suddenly I was in a restricted area and people were shooting at me. And I was oh, like, nice. Were the cool. gangs like the weed lords and the tech bros? It's like a, it's like River City Ransom, San Francisco, <laughs> the hipsters. Uh, I didn't, I didn't catch the names of the gangs. I, I really was just sort of goofing around in the city and didn't like do anything. I didn't even report for the first mission point at all. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's goofy. I Was I the can't... Alamo Draft House in there? No, it's, it's. South, it's south of Mission Dolores. Everything south of Mission Dolores doesn't exist. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. It's, like Dolores Park is the south border. Yeah. Of the huh, city. That's crazy. Yeah. And then, and then it goes from that to like, a, a, like 30 seconds later, you're in San Mateo, which is one street of houses. And then south of that, you're at the, the sort of Google analog building. It's, it's, it's weird. It's the whole Bay Area is just truncated into something that you could like, drive oh, from yeah, one can, into the other in five minutes yeah yeah I, I timed it you can drive from marin county to like i palo alto i think in like five minutes yeah exactly i mean you probably could if there was no traffic <laughs> I, hmm. okay so if there was just a road uh-huh from the the west edge of San Francisco to the east edge of San Francisco, you could absolutely drive it in five minutes. Oh yeah, without... yeah. No, we're talking about from Marin to Palo Alto. <clears throat> Marin to Palo Alto, sure. But that, but I mean, that's like you know forty miles, right? In the real world, it's, yeah, yeah. it's like 40, 40 or fifty miles. With no traffic, I still think you could do it in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <clears throat> uh, 
another game that I got uh, uh, it was Dark Souls. Oh. Uh, so I have played a couple hours of that. Um, it's really good at being atmospheric. So, like, you, you know, mm. I'm, I'm sure everybody else has opinions about this because I had I have just I'm super late to this game. Um, it's very atmospheric. It's very like good at like world building, but it's also just stupidly hard. And I'm not sure that I am gonna be able to last out the, like much of the game. It just seems it just seems way too hard for a to be lot fun. of it. Yeah, a lot of it is about like like being getting accustomed to how you have to how you have to behave and and what you have to like like being yeah. able to spot the mistakes that you made. A lot and, of what's hard about Dark Souls is just that it's. It does things differently from the way you expect video games to be. And you kind of have to, a lot of like the learning curve is just learning how Dark Souls works hmm. and what all the weird words it uses mean. Yeah. I'm, I'm super nervous. Like I have, I have a handful of humanity yeah, what shards is that? or whatever, and I don't want to use them because I'm afraid that you use them. And then if you die, you lose the, you lose them. And that then... does in fact happen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And also... If you have it, that also means other people can invade you. But only if right? you have liquid humanity, not <laughs> not but, your inventory. And, but it also increases your item drop rate by a lot. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Which? Huh. But it, and also like increases your hit points and stuff, right? Like, doesn't it double your health or something? No, that was just in Demon Souls. Oh, I see. Weird. Okay. Um, I was playing it a lot on the on the Switch yeah, a few months ago, and I. Switch. I just bounced off of it again at the fucking Capper Demon. Like, I just... That is so shitty. I almost gave up at that... The big demon in the... In the asylum. And yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? The thing is huge and scary, and you're just like... you've got. Well, you're supposed to run away. You, well, I did the first time, and then yeah. the second time, you don't get the option. Yeah. It, it turns out it's not nearly as tough it, as it looks. Sure, and I yeah. found that out after dying like 12 times or whatever, but... The main Which, trick you'll learn is hit everything in the ass so, <laughs> sure <Right>. yeah <laughs> that stops working in bloodborne where all the attacks yeah. are like a 360 around where, the where yeah. nothing has an ass yeah <laughs> um that's the <laughs> i also it's the real horror I, the something that was struck me about werewolves actually was the fa so this is ported to the switch but they just did a straight port and did not like think about it the switch as an actual platform like their confirm and cancel buttons are the like Sony standard and not the Switch standard? Oh, weird. Mm. Which is really jarring when you've been playing a bunch of games on the Switch. I had a tremendous number of UI deaths from just not realizing I had the menu open, right? Mm. And then I would go to you know get out of the way of something or block with my shield, and it wouldn't do anything. Yeah, that's yeah, sucks. that's I remember <clears throat> that happening a lot. Uh, does, what what makes you say that it is? good at world building because everyone says that about dark souls and i don't really understand why <sighs> they i'm trying to i'm trying to think of these specific things that that i was impressed by the um i think because they drop you in without explaining things and then everything just kind of has lore built into it like all the item descriptions and everything it 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 doesn't hold your hand at all and just presents a world world as fully formed as if you've always been there and i thought that was actually really that's kind of 
would be brave if I didn't think they were kind of jerks about it, right? Like, it it does like it definitely demands that you make something of this yourself rather than being told what it is. Yeah, yeah. and it just puts you in the mindset of trying to figure like a lot of what you're doing is just meeting the game halfway in terms of world building. But it's people talk about the item descriptions, which are just so sparse and like don't i don't remember there ever being anything interesting in an item description and it's always it's always really confusing to me when people talk like i feel like at the point where i got i had seen maybe 500 words of writing and it was all the dialogue you know, that insinuates some things about the world and the history of the world and the state of things. Mm -hmm. But the item descriptions are just like incredibly utilitarian. Like I, unless I, I just quotations about the, from, from like people in the game, like there's, there's a lot in that. Are they like off screen and you have to scroll to them or something? Like, I don't, I, I don't remember It might be that you didn't this. find any like unique items. I think it's mainly like the, 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 the armor pieces that, belong to specific characters or 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 that are things that you can only get once how do you have a tendency get, to have more of that story stuff on how do you get than, any of those in the first 10 minutes of the game which is like all we've seen uh i started as a knight so i had like a bunch of gear when i started yeah i don't know but it was like a breastplate made of steel like that's all like uh, that was all of it hmm. right i mean i like what stuff are you talking about, Riff? Like what's the what's the earliest like unique item that you can get that has Uh it's been a long time since I looked at Dark Souls One. I couldn't tell you a specific one. I mean, I'm not like denying that this is real. I just don't no, yeah. like I mean yeah, can you come up with an example from two? Um well let's see. An early I think, game. I think you also played ten minutes of Dark Souls two, Zach, so No, I played a few hours of Dark okay, Souls. Okay, there two. you go. Um I got yeah, let's see. What's the first two areas? So it'd be like either hides or the forest of fallen giants, I guess. Probably some of the stuff the the um uh uh, uh the merchant lady that you meet in for oh and the the uh well the flame song flame long sword is just a long sword with flame applied to it that might not have its own description. I, I don't know. <laughs> I I can't give you a specific. I, I will say that like I. Like looking back on it, I'm not sure I put together any of the puzzle pieces by reading like lore and figuring shit out myself. I think I mostly just listened to Bonfireside chat. Yeah. And, and, but like the stuff they were saying jibed with what I had seen. So I, I believe that it was real. I guess I should listen to that show and try to play this video game again. I, the, I got frustrated, like, looking online, like, how do you beat the Capper Demon? Like, is there any way to just make this not terrible? Like, is there any way to just cheat? Because, like, there I'm There is actually of... specifically oh. a way to cheat the Capper Demon. Uh, you can throw it... dung pies over the wall at him. Okay. How do you get those, and how do you throw anything? Like... I, I think you get the dung pies from the... from Blight Town... So, like, you're not making things better for yourself by doing it that way. I So, it, I just, and every time I looked it up, it was like, hey, how do I beat the Capper Demon? And then they would say, well, what are you, how are you playing? I'm like, oh, sword and shield. And they'll be like, ah, oh, don't use a shield. 
And I was like, oh, okay. I, I don't think... Really? Like, you, I've been using a shield. Yeah, no, me too. Yeah, no, yeah. you're. I think you're definitely supposed to play this game with the shield. Like, a lot of people will... How do they deal with, like, arrows and stuff? Just dodging? Dodging. But, I mean, like... Wow. The, even, after spending a bunch of, even after spending a bunch of time grinding, you cannot block a single hit from the Capra Demon. Like, you walk into the room, and you're instantly dead. Well, what what kills you with the Capra Demon isn't the, the Capra Demon itself. It's the dogs that are stunning you. Mm. Um, so if you can get, like, if you just, like, my, my tip for fighting it with a sword and shield would be, like, keep trying until you manage to run up the stairs that are behind to the left of the, of the dogs and the yeah. demon. And then typically then you can, if you can, if you can roll past him and get up the stairs, you can get. The dogs will come at you one at a time, probably. Yeah, you can but get you across to like a little, a little armor. ledge. Uh, you, it, uh, you're wearing you too much. You might have to take armor, off some armor. Yeah, yeah. your 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 weight uh, compared to your your equipped weight compared to your weight limit determines how good your roll is. Okay, so this is this is where I'm also beginning to lose interest. Like, there's there yeah, exactly. are like it's way too many like hidden interactions that it doesn't. That's seem what like the that. game is, though. Like, uh, God, it's. I don't think I have. The, I don't think I have the patience for that as as in my current life. That's fair. To, that's, to uh, that's, that. I think that's a totally reasonable reaction to, to Dark Souls. <laughs> fair enough, I guess. Um, but I, like, I, to me, I just, like, I'm never going to get past the Capra Demon. Like, there's not, like. But, so maybe that's what you, the game ends, and that's you fine. Can't, that's just the end of the game. Yeah, you yeah. just can't. Because it's not like I could level up. Right? I, to, I, I think if you tried to get up the stairs, you'd. Get it after I, the, a few I, tries. I mean, I knew that, and that's what that I was already. trying to. Right. I could never make it a single step into the room without, do, like, so you're dead are, in like a second and a half, like, are you, with no ability to move or do anything. And it's so, like a long run, and then a load time, and then you're instantly dead. Just as many times in a row as you care to do that before you turn the fucking console off. Like, it's weird that like. So you're saying you are. Wearing too much to effectively roll? I don't know. Okay. I've read that you can be wearing too yeah. much to effectively roll, and I don't know what rolling looks like when it's good and when it's bad. Right. Oh, I could send you some, send you some YouTube videos. Do you have to roll? I mean, like, you just uh, can't. It's, it's more effective. It, when you roll, you get invincibility frames where mm. they literally can't touch you. Um, But I think a heavy armor spec would do not just as well, but I think you could get it done with that way, too. I mean, if you choose the knight as your character class, does it put too much armor on you for you to roll? Yeah, I think you, well, not to, to do the fast roll, it does, yeah. So like this, at the start of the game, if you, if you, uh, spec knight, then you are fat rolling, I think. Fat rolling? That's the term. <laughs> That's the community term. Oh, like that thing that plugging up the sewers. Right. Okay, sorry to have hijacked this. That's fine. I, didn't have anything specific to I add wish because that I... you had gotten there and then just destroyed it <laughs> with no trouble at all. I don't think that's going to happen. I kept getting killed by skeletons in the city, the town up above. The, mm. I guess they're not skeletons; they're like undead of some some flavor. I think they're skeletons, aren't they? I mean, I guess you think those guys in the graveyard are skeletons. Yeah, the, the ones the in the graveyard are definitely skeletons. Yeah, hollow soldiers, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, everybody's hollow though, right? There's the Balder Knights. When you get on the other side of the Balder's Gate, <laughs> Do you, if you run past them, is that the Balder Dash? Mm -hmm. Good. 
Uh, so another game that I played that uh, I think Riff is probably also going to talk about is Subnautica. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I only spent a couple hours playing this as well. Uh, I, this game very much seems to me to be something that, that really wants to suck up a lot of time, and I don't have mm. that to give it, so I... Yeah, I, 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 I binged it pretty hard, I, uh, so I can't disagree. Uh, it's great. Oh my gosh, it seems good. Yeah. We're, Riff, we're, was it you that was complaining on Twitter about having to use the prawn suit in the lava areas? Yeah. Like, that that's was, also, I, that I just was the one thing I, when... I really, it, I, I found a, a, uh, instructions for turning on the console, and there is a, uh, no damage command you can put in that just makes it possible to, uh, use the, the one man submarine everywhere, regardless of depth. So that, that is, uh, basically my, my recommend it, my recommendation for the game is to, you know, build build the build the prawn suit and the the giant submarine because they're they're interesting and they're they're cool to to see them and tool around in them a, for a bit. Uh, but when you progress in the 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 mainline plot or or just in general exploration because you can just get there uh, when when you find the the biome that is like deeper than. 900 meters and therefore Jesus. you are you are not normally allowed to to pilot the seamoth into there just open the fucking console and turn on no damage and do it in the seamoth because huh. that way you will continue to enjoy the game instead of suddenly kind of hating it <laughs> yeah Sounds i also like a... i was really enjoying it and it felt like a really good sense of progression until it got to the point where it's like you had to start using the prawn suit yeah and then i was like eh what, I, I mean, I don't know what any of those things are. Yeah, but. I don't really want to spoil them for you, but okay. the the problem with this the I, the the general like loose description of the prawn suit is that it's like an underwater capable version of the uh, the power loader from Aliens, mm. uh, and it's affected by gravity. Uh, so you're basically stomping along the ocean floor, and you have kind of a very anemic sort of like jetpack but it's very time limited and not very powerful so that you're sounds most cool. yeah it's it's neat to run around in it's not neat to be forced to run around in <laughs> right there are like resource nodes that you can only harvest in that thing which sucks uh, yeah and you need some of that resource to build the last depth protection for the prawn suit which means you have to go there twice because you have to go there to gather that mineral and then leave to build the the upgrade and then go back and that that really sucks <laughs> so i i put like i don't know 6 or 8 hours into this thing and i feel like i didn't build anything interesting um uh, and i'm did just you not start sure building if, like, a base or no. were you just okay that's where it starts to get kind of fun yeah and i i, I don't know like i don't remember now like what was i missing that was preventing me from building a base the common room but yeah, like it's weird how they let you start building just like a shitty hallway base yeah the the, the big like, all of the, the one main is room like, is really hard to find that was another huh. kind of problem i had with it is that there are a few absolutely vital pieces of tech that are in recipes that you have to locate out in the world and therefore they're extremely missable. Right. I I probably paid for an hour and a half or two hours before I realized that most crates actually have something in them 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, well, god damn it. So, like, I ended up starting a second game, and now I'm not sure whether I want to play the second game where I haven't made any mistakes, but don't have nearly as many resources. Is there anything you can do with the crates that are, like, sealed on one side? I, I don't Do think I so. Yeah, I, I think didn't it's find just, it. Yeah, I think it's just, but there are crates where there's just an open side and there's something inside to scan. Yeah. yeah. Um, another thing, nice. another thing that's important to know about those crates that will save you some trouble later is that if you have one of the, uh, uh, I've, I've forgotten what they call it in the game, but there's a thing that's like the gravity gun in Half-Life. Uh, those crates are movable objects with that hmm. gun. Uh, they're not like static scenery. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. So that, 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 uh, that caused me to have to go back to a place that was difficult because of not knowing that the first time. The reason I stopped playing was that it was just too scary. Like hmm. it, it is, I, but that the, doesn't, that doesn't usually stop me from playing like a horror game, but apparently yeah. this game is way scarier than it's kind the of game scary, with in it. but it's got that great sort of uh, situation where like the first time you go into a, a really scary area, it's super scary, but eventually it just becomes like you, I'm, you uh, just know that place really well. And it's not scary at all. Like you fucking own this zone. Yeah. So, yeah. And that happened really to me satisfying. with, that happened to me with prey, which my first playthrough was a pretty effective horror game, at least for like half of it. Um, but what actually convinced me that I might be able to play this game after all is I bet I wouldn't be nearly as scared if I was in an awesome power loader suit. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I, I completed like that first sort of plot pointy thing mm -hmm. and it was just so cool and well done mm -hmm. that it I was like, ah, oh, man, this game is good. The, is really the, good. the, the writing is really surprisingly good and funny for like a game that, like Minecraft is like the next similar game to this that comes to mind to me. And that has no writing in it. Like this game didn't really have to have any writing to speak of, well, but it, it has it, a bunch and it's really funny a lot of the time. Yeah. It, when this game first came out in early access, it was just a base building game like Minecraft, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that was something that they added on to it, which I, and apparently like, I, I don't know if I've ever seen it done well before this. Mm-hmm. It's. It also kind of reminds me, at least in the early stages of the, um, the digging games like SteamWorld Dig and stuff, oh, yeah, right? Like yeah. where you you like go down, you find a bunch of resources, then you go back up to the top to sell them. In this case, yeah. to like craft stuff, to, to craft them to make like the larger air tank so that you can yeah. stay down a little longer. Yeah, it's a really good progression. There, the the progression is extremely satisfying, at least in the parts that I've gotten to so far. Um, and the plot stuff is really good, and they, they sort of give, provided it a good clip. Um, I started relying pretty heavily on a wiki at the end. Oh, yeah. From I, I the, did eventually, yeah, start on. reading some wiki stuff. The, to the, encourage you to like go to certain, do certain things? Cause the, the two things I needed it for was uh, there, is, there is one place I went uh, that was, it was like a real expedition to do it, and I wanted mm -hmm. to make sure I got everything of note out of there before I left. I see. And the other thing was, oh, there was there was a recipe I hadn't found that was for uh, essentially a, a form of crafting bench that I needed, and and I had not found the recipe for it anywhere, so I looked up where there was one. I see. I had played 
a tremendous amount of the way through the game without ever discovering that there was a compass that you could oh, find, yeah, which was yeah. really fucking frustrating to learn later. Yeah, um, that's useful. That's because it's a thing you just find in a thing, and I just didn't find. Yeah, it. I've got that on the the bad game, and not on the the fresh game. And mm. I'm like, ah, oh, god. There's um, um, the, the map is weirdly small. If yeah, you, yeah, that's what makes it like, seems the sea so, so great. expansive, but it's really pretty small. Yeah, hmm. it's very very well done. The um, the great thing about the base building uh, is that when you if you uh, like if you put down a room or a piece of furniture and decide you don't like it that way and undeconstruct it, you get all of your parts back. You get like the entire resource cost is returned to you. So you're absolutely free just to try things and see if you like it. And if you don't, it's fine. That's cool. I uh, I heard on the giant bombcast, I think maybe they were showing it at Day of the Devs, but they're working on some DLC that is sounds like it's just standalone which oh, nice. that yeah. is exactly what i want is i want the ability to go back to those mechanics yeah and that world but without having to remember how to use all the shit that i built there's like an arctic thing i think so yeah, yeah. um i'm not sure how much of that we know in ways that we're allowed to talk about though so hmm. but i believe i believe that they also said that on the giant bombcast that well the like when you load the game up it talks about oh it talks about it now that there okay. is going to be yeah it gives you like a okay. little news blurb thing oh that's good um, and then I played some Owlboy, which was a game that I kind of had expectations about, sort of vague expectations. Like it, it seemed like when it came out, people were excited about it. Um, Gary really just, hated it. I kind of felt pretty mad about it. Yeah. Um, it's got a bunch of, it's, it's like a platformer. It's constructed like a platformer, but you're a character that can fly. So, you don't have to worry about platforming like through 90%. It seems like of kind game. of a pretty good joke if it were phrased as a as a joke. I guess um and a lot of your sort of abilities, your com- almost all of your combat skills and your abilities are based on you picking somebody up and then using them like they often have like a gun or whatever that you can mm. use to shoot or something and and you can like sort of fast switch through them and it it works and it's fine it's just it's just weird but then they love to like take those characters away from you so that you'll you'll no longer have those abilities at various points and so, so they have like heart-wrenching death scenes when no they go. it's just it's like there's definitely plot stuff that causes them to come and go but it, it becomes frustrating when you finally like okay i finally feel like i know how to like deal with these various enemies and challenges and stuff like that and then all of a sudden they're just you're just like back to square one where you don't have anything that you can do again. Um, a lot of like giving and taking in that way, which it, it, I guess it's fine. It just didn't feel very good. There's also a lot of like instant death moments, especially later in the game that are super frustrating because you, that you like have zero way to, to react to them. If it, if, if you just make a, a wrong choice or whatever, you're just instantly dead and have to like reload. Um, which sucks. Um, I, I hate, I like that is becoming something that I really hate in games is just stuff that instantly kills you. So if you make a, a tiny error or whatever, um, yeah, there's a, there's a weird mini game in Alboy where you're trying to m- navigate through like an obstacle course, which the controls are so difficult that 
it just I got really, really angry at it. Like you're flying at very rapid speeds in a very complicated sort of obstacle course. And if you make even the, the slightest incorrect move, uh, it you're instantly dead and you have to start over. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like the story was fine. It wasn't it didn't feel particularly inspired. It, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess because I had expectations, it was surprisingly where did the Sad. expectations come from? I think just from having seen it in the news and people talking about it. I think this might be a situation like iconoclasts where like people are paying attention to a game purely because it has great art. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that the like especially games that like I I don't know if this is uh, unfair but like games that I've noticed at least that games that are led by animators tend to not be designed very well. Hmm. I guess hmm, that's an interesting observation. So the, the next game that I was going to talk about was was Sundered, which I had zero expectations about because I didn't know anything about it at all. Um, but uh turns out that it's actually a really cool take on like a Metroidvania um, sort of Dead Cells-y type game. Um, it is it's a platformer uh, and you, uh, it's a platformer and you are sort of traversing the space. Um, this, there is sort of a set sort of macro scale map that doesn't change, but there are big chunks of that that are procedurally generated each time. So anytime you die, there are, big chunks of it that you have to navigate through in new ways and sort of find your way through there. Um, but all the big set piece areas are always in the same place. They're just not necessarily connected exactly the same way, uh, which I thought was a really good compromise between sort of the old school set design maps and 100% procedural generation. Yeah. Um, the, uh, your like upgrade tree is persistent across lives, which is great. And the currency lasts you don't have the situation where in like hollow knight or whatever where you have to go back and collect your corpse the the corpse kind of stuff that just doesn't happen which i thought was that's very cool. friendly that's nice uh and the combat just felt really friendly like i'm not super good at these games but but i felt very sort of capable in this like it starts out relatively easy and then builds and becomes hard but then you can go upgrade all your skills and then it, you get to a point where you're again sort of doing really well and then it just sort of sort of goes back it sort of like ratchets up that way really satisfyingly um as like both in terms of just sort of numbers in terms of like how much damage you're doing and, and taking also and also like the mobility increases and upgrades um yeah it's just super satisfying in that way you get a, a pretty significant number of mobility upgrades and the the level design especially of the final areas really takes advantage of that and and Does promotes it assume that. you got certain upgrades uh so some areas are some areas are like actually locked off based on um having abilities and um and I think maybe you could sequence break a little bit, but it would be very challenging to do so. Um, so they definitely, some areas I definitely assume that you've got at least one of two or three different things that you could use to get there. Um, but yeah, the final area is 
a bunch of really wide open spaces and you really have to use a bunch of mobility enhancing moves in concert to really navigate it with any speed which is great and it it really sort of it, everything just sort of flows super well together uh in that in that way and you feel kind of godly by the end when you have all the mobility upgrades uh how quickly you can navigate the space and achieve your goals um the environmental hazards are actually some of the most dangerous things which you can you can avoid through careful play but then enemies that sort of knock you around can sort of push you into spikes or poison clouds or whatever um but there's like not a ton of writing it's it's pretty good and the, it's it's got a really good theme it's like a kind of like a sci-fi world with a bunch of like lovecraftian horror type stuff going on so over the past like four minutes i've slowly realized you're not talking about Owlboy anymore yeah sundered <laughs> different, different game. what was the name of it sundered sundered okay yeah um yeah, it's a it's it is also a platforming game, um, but you you can't fly in it. Okay. All right. um, How is it like exploration wise? Does it feel very like satisfying? Cool. Uh, the, there is a map. Uh, it, you know, you don't know where anything is on the map until you get there, mm, okay. um, and so you have to like actually explore where it is. But then the map persists. Um, nice. So that was that are. was one of the other things that bugged me about. Uh, Subnautica was never being sure if I'd been to a place already. <laughs> yeah, that was actually one of the things with Subnautica that I wanted to go back and and um, fix was getting the like little beacons and making a yeah, bunch of them, making so a that lot I could... more of those. Yeah, they do. They do give you the ability to like turn on and off those beacons and rename them and color them and stuff. So that's it's, yeah, it's handled really nicely. Yeah, beacons yeah. are real important. <laughs> Um, and so that was a thing that I, that I wanted to go back and do from a very early moment and just so that I would know where everything was in relation to each other. And I bet, I bet if you, if you just start with your new file, I bet it would not take you long to get back to where you were. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking. And I I just know so much more now that like, I know what kind of enemies to be wary of and not immediately sort of jump into and, and die or whatever. Um, but anyway, Sundered, I can't recommend enough. It, It, it sort of, Scratched a a major sort of like Metroid feeling itch, but sort of modern take on things. Um, I went to then, write it down, and I wrote down Metroid. <laughs> I was like, good. I already have that one. Uh, and then I played a bunch of other small stuff. We talked a little bit about uh, the you don't know Jack party party pack games. We played uh, Drawful and Fibbage a bunch. Um, we played we Quiplash. Quiplash a little bit. We played the the like the bomb diffusing game. Yeah, which, that one was way more of like a video game ass video game than most of those. I feel are. like we would have played more of that if we had been in a group of people that was excited about like an actual like sort of logic puzzle video. Yeah, game. we should play that here at the office. Yeah, we should bring that in and That's play it with other video games people. Yeah, um, is it like a keep talking and nobody explodes type thing? Kind, kind of. of. Yeah, everybody but, has separate little instructions on their device, and there's a central thing that you're trying to disarm but everybody's instructions sort of reprioritize or countermand the other ones so you have to know all of the rules oh so it's also a space team type thing it is yeah it would be pretty easy once you got into a rhythm to like all right we just need to read everybody's thing and then in order or whatever yeah Yeah. but then there's a time limit so you're trying to you're racing against the clock um i played zach found uh 
that Aaron Steed had made a bump two, which oh, yeah. was exciting. And I played a, I played a fair bit of that. Um, bump is a turn-based. It's like a roguelike platformer, but with gravity. There is no gravity in bump two. Right. Yeah. I remember we talked. We definitely talked about this because I remember being very angry finding that out on the podcast. Oh yeah. Okay. Wait, really? Well, <laughs> I didn't know that I had seen Bump Two before. Uh, I may, maybe you hadn't seen it, but huh. we like maybe maybe this was an episode where you weren't there actually. Hmm. Um, but I just remember reacting like very viscerally to like the idea of Bump Two not having gravity. It is it is weird. It it plays differently, but in, it's all about like building up combos and so making sure that you're putting yourself in a situation where you don't you're not going to end the combo. Um, you can try eating combos to help you. Exactly. Cheddar uh, cheese pretzel, baby. Stephen Lavelle recommended a little game on Steam called Delete, which is kind of cute. It's a it's a little puzzle game, it's sort of like a 3D minesweeper, kind of. Hmm. Um, that sounds very difficult. That seems like a thing they would force James Bond to play for his life. Sure. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it is not. It is way more friendly than that sounds. It's and it's also not random, randomly generated. It's all design levels, mm. so it's not everything is super solvable. Uh, yeah, and then I beat Twinfold finally. So that is what I have been playing. Ton of stuff. It's a hell of a list. This yeah. is a long podcast. What yes, have you been playing, Riff? Uh, just to help it make not so long. It was basically only Subnautica. Uh, I, I've started playing Monster Hunter World, but I, I'm not even done with the tutorial yet, so I don't, I don't have a lot to talk about it yet. So you're only 60 hours in? Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what is Monster Hunter World? I don't, I, I, I saw a bunch of people talking about it, but I don't, I don't know. Are you, are you it's familiar? to Monster you, Hunter 3, yeah, you, Monster Hunter 2, which was originally Doki Doki Panic, <laughs> Monsters. <laughs> I, it, I don't even, I really don't even know what the, like, the kind of game it is. It's, um... Is it like Diablo? It's, it's like, like Fable? No, it's like um it's like Dark Souls but just the bosses and you have to like hunt there's there's uh you have to fight that, them over that's and not over even again. very accurate. Um it's like there's a um uh, like is it an like deer adventure a traver- there's a, a an area like of landscape of like jungles and cliff sides and so on. And there's a town where the the hunter's lodge is, where you take a quest to, you know, go kill a certain specific kind of monster. So you go out into the wilderness and find the uh, the clues that have been planted in the, in the area to allow you to find this monster. And then you find it, and then you fight it with a more or less Soulsy style combat, and Upon killing it, you scavenge it and skin it for crafting parts, and then you use those crafting parts to make better armor and weapons so that you can kill more difficult monsters, and then it repeats. Uh, so it's like a doing cocaine in a bathroom stall Yes, game. it's it's doing doing cocaine so that you can work faster to get more money to get more Riff, cocaine, so you know, except Zach the cocaine cutting off his own monsters. fingers while you're describing this? Yes. Where do you keep your fingers? <laughs> <laughs> On my hands. Okay. I was just taking advantage of this time 
to cut some errant threads off of my pants. Both of your hands were right next to the clippers. That's why I was assuming. Well, one of your hands always <laughs> has to be next to the scissors, or they don't work. Okay. Okay. So that's, I, I was afraid that I was afraid there was a new like gesture to indicate boredom, except instead of making like a duck flapping gesture right, or, a jerking or like shooting off yourself gesture, in the head or yeah, it's off. just yeah, like it's cutting just your fingers cutting off. Cutting your fingers off. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, so the other hand was holding the thread taut so oh, that the scissors right. could work. Oh, all right, all right, my but mistake. It was a very unremarkable action that I just performed and did uh, not merit. I don't know. I th- when you pulled out the scissors... Like, oh, like, he's cutting oh, off his fingers. <laughs> Where's this going? If it was a twine game, you I mean, this I is a good instinct dick. for you to have as a new father, so... Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess if Winston got a hold of some scissors... Definitely the fingers first to go. Fingers first. Um, you got any? You got any more feelings about Subnautica? Uh, no, I feel like we pretty much covered everything. I, I've pretty much, uh, I've, I've finished with it. Although I have not entirely finished it, I, I've done all the, all the plot stuff except building the stuff that you would use to actually escape the planet. Because I decided my character would choose to not escape the planet. <laughs> Because mm. through through like some of the logs and 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 uh, and message entries that you get and stuff talking about the Alterna uh, Corporation, you I think you eventually discover I think who who the what character you're playing like what their job was and it seems like a really crappy job <laughs> and it's like this planet is so nice maybe just live here now <laughs> yeah you were like just. Turn turn things back on and just stay. Yeah, yeah. And plus, was, my my base is super rad. I have like a five story fish tank full of monsters, and there's definitely like some something to be said for the idea of you know you, when you're playing a game like Breath of the Wild, you can spend a ton of time in the game and feel like this like I, I'm. I, I deliberately spent 80 hours in this. Is this not just better than my regular life? <laughs> Would I not just live? And then at, at that point, you think about like, okay, well, what about when you've found all the shrines and there's literally like a, just a dead world with nothing left to do you in it. For there were no more worlds to conquer. Right. Yeah. There's just, there, there are no activities left. And then he took a nap for there were no more worlds to conquer. <laughs> right. Well, but don't I kinda you I wish you could build a base in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. You get to keep, you get to keep fighting stuff and yeah. collecting yeah. rupees. And maybe if the shrines were never there and I spent 80 hours just messing around with the surf the sand surfing mechanics or something mm-hmm. and they hadn't well, this was something that um the uh the designers of don't starve talked about that when they added quests to the game people stopped playing as soon as they ran out of quests mm. mm-hmm. so then they just took out the quests right good and so like if breath of the wild just never had a quest then maybe you could play it forever I kind of leaned in on uh, the base building stuff in Fallout 76, which I hadn't really cared about. It only kind of felt like a means to an end as far as like, you know, having a place to build stuff and whatever. But I was like, what if this was a nice place? Oh. And then started sort of seeking out plans for more Hmm. like cosmetic stuff that I liked to build. That was kind of fun. Is there some... I have a nice two-story brick house. Have you had any trouble with like logging in and... Not being able to have that house where you had it, and 
that, that kind has of thing? only happened to me once, and it was after the patch where they were like, your house just won't be there. You can log out and log back in, and it will be there on okay. the server probably. Yeah. Um, I how, like I, I was wondering how big your stuff could get because the, the, the idea of Fallout 76 being like that all the things that NPCs were doing in the Fallout games, we have players doing them now instead, I guess. Yeah, I mean, what would like, be nice is if it were a persistent world, which it just can't be because there's too right. many people. And but if like, like if players could like. And I think there are plans for, like, the ability to, like, set up a vending machine, which, like, that would be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, or, like, even just build a cool amusement park or something. Build something bigger than a, a tiny house. You don't get a ton, a ton of room. But I, like, I built a good-sized house and then a big shed to stop my water purifier from getting shot by super mutants. Sure. Um, they still are real fond of shooting my garden and i like a lot of the time when i go back to my campsite all of my carrots have been shot by <laughs> guys and it sucks wow. because it, then it, i just have to repair all the carrots using a carrot <laughs> it's when you <clears throat> when you go to repair a carrot it's just if you have you need a carrot and some fertilizer uh how uh, why do people say this game is bad i don't know it's um <laughs> These like carrot skin grafts that you're scraping off of the one carrot and applying to the. Yeah, I mean it, it's like fine as long as they leave one carrot alive to like tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, ooh, it could be. Uh, uh, does anybody uh, has anybody else read uh, Eyes of the Dragon by oh, Stephen yeah. King? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I gave uh, I gave how... my friend's kid a copy of that for Christmas this year. Remember how there's this one little scene where uh, it talks about the magician flag having a box that was locked with a kind of intelligent carrot that would scream whenever anybody other than the owner tried to open it? Right. <laughs> That's a weird little piece of world building on behalf of old Stephen King there. Because uh, nothing else worked like that in, in that world. Um, the flag's just a weirdo. Yeah, good old. He, he knows where to get the Cleffa carrot. Uh, so, yeah, they shoot your, they, they really seem to like really want to fuck up the crops because I moved them to the back of the house and built a fence around them and they still, it's the they first found thing, an angle yes, the to... first thing they shoot. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know how to describe the size of the area that you can build in. It's like a circle and imagine like the smallest possible room in a dungeon you know, like a room where you, you know, it's like, so a like an airplane pa- bathroom. Okay. Imagine like the size of a jail cell. Okay. Imagine the size that a jail cell would be in a fallout game. Okay. Uh, the circle is probably 12 of those in diameter. Okay. So it's, you can build some good size buildings if you want. Can you build up? Yeah. Um, and there's a budget for what you can have polygons there yeah i mean it really is right like it's a budget for server storage and like streaming data to everyone else who comes to see it yeah um i just really like the idea that you would build a cool thing to see and then the legend would spread that somewhere someone is has a cool thing that you can find if you log into the right server but yeah it's rough though because you can't choose a server like it's it's it's, right well that just makes the legend better it does i guess yeah (laughs) i mean kind of like sometimes Sometimes in uh, 
in Animal Crossing, you'd see somebody would post online the name of somebody who had set up a really cool, weird house that you could go right. and visit if you if you knew what their handle was or whatever. The Fallout 76 subreddit is full of people posting these just weird player stories about, like, you know, to the guy wearing a clown suit that we saw <laughs> at Harper's Ferry yesterday and then just describe this weird emergent encounter of like interactions between the monsters in the world and some player oh, not like being nice or be... have sex sometimes there's that too, okay I guess. okay yeah. yeah um but yeah i i it's i don't know i i would not have ever bothered building a cool house like this in a in fallout 4 because there was zero chance of ever showing it to anybody and i'm also never going to show it to anybody in fallout 76 I mean, I guess like Gary's coming to my house. I might say, "Hey, sure. Gary, do you want to do you want to see my house that I built in Fallout 76?" Because he also played it a little yeah. bit. Even right. even in like Animal Crossing, when I built a house that had the toilet sitting right up to the salad bar, <laughs> like World's I shared that by taking toilet. a photo. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I showed that by taking a photo of the screen and putting putting it on Twitter. But the fact that this is online and you could, somebody else could see it, yeah. means I care about it in a way yeah. that I wouldn't otherwise. And it's and it's also just it one of the things that people don't talk about when they criticize games for not having a lot of authored content is that one of the things that you can do in any video game when you run out of authored content is to just make something up that you want to do and then do that as your goal. And that is a perfectly valid way to play a video game. And it's not one that everyone likes, you know, and it's not one that, you know, if that's largely what you have to do in order to engage with a video game, it's not going to be one that is popular or reviewed well or sells well, maybe. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I still I'm still playing it couple times a week for an hour or two and it's i'm really still still think it's a pretty good video game for for old zach um cool i played a couple of phone games uh while i was traveling uh one i found out about from uh nick sutner's spelunky podcast the spelunky show like they did a just what video games did you play this year episode and it's called dr meep it is a iOS Match 3 that is extremely cute, but, like, just staggeringly difficult to, to play effectively. And I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I keep running it because it's just, like, a compulsion to try to figure out how the fuck you're supposed to overcome level 10. Uh, you can skip past it, but everything past it seems even harder it just seems like this weird baller move to make, like, a really cartoony match three game and then have it secretly be this incredibly difficult puzzle. I feel like that, that's game. how I felt about Snakebird. Yeah. Uh, and then another game called Crossgrams, which I don't know if I love or not, but I've been playing the daily puzzle and kind of enjoying it. It is... The levels vary wildly in difficulty, and I think it will become evident why as I describe it. So it's a crossword um, where 
there are no clues. There's just an English word in every contiguous left to right or top to bottom intersection. And some of them are are just easy ones where it's like one across word and two downwards that intersect with it. And some of them are like almost full, like 11 by 11 grids. And all of the letters are already in the crossword, but the rows are scrambled. And you can just move them around. So it's it's basically a combination of... It's like if you were doing a crossword, but every clue was also the jumble. <laughs> huh. Which is clever, and I've never seen anything like it before, and it's fun, sort of. In a huge crossword, especially one where there are no max length words, it is, it is, I'm pretty good at anagrams and descrambling words. Like, I'm, like, the jumble in the paper is essentially effortless to me, but this, like, given, give, giving 10 letters and having to come up with two words that are made out of those 10 letters, like a, a, a five letter word and a five letter word or a four and a six, that is, orders of magnitude more difficult than coming up with the 10 letter word that the, that the 10 letters represent. Um, and it's really generous with clues. It doesn't really care if you just ask for answers. Um, it just keeps track of it. It says how many clues you used in the solve thing, but, uh, eh, I don't know if, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, it's fun. What's the name of it? <clears throat> Crossgrams. Uh, and before I left, uh, since the last show, but uh, not actually that recently. I played a bunch more of uh, Atom RPG, that sort of Fallout-like that I talked about briefly mm. on the last show. Uh, the the Russian post-apocalyptic RPG. Um, and I was really... I got really into it, and I was really enjoying it, and I was going through, and I was like... had goals, and I was exploring, and I was meeting people and advancing the plot and stuff. And then I got to the like large central town and it was so big that I just turned the game off and didn't ever go back. Like, like intimidating the possibility space. Is too big. Yeah. And I, th and <clears throat> I don't know if this is common. The, the exact same thing happened to me when I tried to play fallout. Like I got to hub or whatever it was. And I was like, eh, there's too much. There's too much going on here. Like I don't, that was what happened to me when I tried to play Majora's Mask. Yeah, it's uh, like what I, the the note <sighs> that Majora's I wrote Mask down was is, is kind of like big town syndrome. Right. Is it is it because there's NPCs there that you need to talk to or, or that that are available to talk to? Like, it's like what what differentiates that from the world of Subnautica, which if you just thought about how big the world was when you first got in the game, it would it would be the same kind of overwhelming. Well, Subnautica is not. Subnautica doesn't have a bunch of, like, story... Like, Subnautica is not fundamentally a game where you get a bunch of quests and then do the quest to, right. to like, get new loot. And, uh, like... Yeah, I feel like what's happening here is just the idea that you feel obligated to see everything. Yeah. I guess... Like... Like Majora's Mask was different because like that game is kind of set up as like a almost like a crossword on top of a Zelda game. Were the towns bigger than the cities in Skyrim? I just avoid the cities in Skyrim. Okay. And I think that's probably why I miss a lot of the quest content in Skyrim because it's like 
if you go to a hut out in the middle of nowhere, maybe there's a farmer in there, maybe there's his wife, maybe there's his daughter, one of them maybe has a quest for you, you can just go talk to them all and then do their quest and then you know that you're sort of done with that part of the game. If there's a city with like 500 people walking around in it, and that's an exaggeration, I'm sure it's not even 100 people, but maybe it's 30 people. The idea of just going and talking to all 30 of those people to try to figure out which of them are, like, plot-relevant people is just like, ugh, no. But in this game, you just can't go on. Like, the, you can't progress any of the quest lines. I don't know. I've always had this anxiety about KOL that, like, over time, the main town got way too sprawling and overwhelming. And so then we did a bunch of work to, like, well... The things that have a quest for you will have a little, will be animated on the map, and that's how you know. And we try to kind of pace those out or whatever. But (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is that just makes me like, if that main town that I got to had been split into three smaller towns, each of which had a third the amount of content in it, I would have played the game to completion, I think. But I just, something about like, ah, fuck, it's going to take me like hours of just talking to people to figure out what there is to do here, I just like kind of instantly lose interest. That's the, the, the effect that this kind of mindset had on the design of KOL is interesting to me because when I came back to KOL a couple of years ago, after not playing it for like six years or something like that, you felt like we hadn't added anything. Yeah. It looked the same. And I felt, I expected it to be like a, I expected the world map to be like a lot more like world of Warcraft, you know, where it's just like, you, you, Everything was all this new content is like expanding outwards and it's new places to explore. And, um, when it's really a lot more like it's parallel universes, yeah, um, built into the same map. Um, which is a, which is a bummer in its own way, I guess. I mean, for people well, who want, for people who want realms, yeah. Um, they are realms, they're just they're, smaller realms. It's just the tiny, also, Kale the most adorable have, realms. Kale doesn't have realms. It's, by by all of your reasonable definitions of realms, KOL doesn't word word realms. Word realms also doesn't have realms. West of Loathing, God, yeah. How fucked up am I that I just confused West of Loathing and Word Realms? Because you were just talking about realms. No, is what I it is. Yeah, it is West Realms. West of Loathing has realms. Realms of Loathing. Ah, realms of Loathing. That'd be a good name for. I don't know. Uh, Something. A compilation. Yeah. You know. Or, or the, story. the the Civ version. It of would, it would be a lot less confusing to people if instead of referring to a, a very specific thing by realm, I started referring to Waz. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it is Waz. Not like a, it takes more than one Wa to be a realm. I think probably it's yeah. the interconnectedness of the Waz that sure. creates realmhood. Right. Realmhood. He robs from the poor and gives to the world. <laughs> uh, so now, if we ever if we ever come up with a a dev mechanic that that involves linked was, we have to come up with an acronym that's R E L M. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I also played a few hours of a game that I had heard about, but I didn't. It didn't quite click how up my alley it was. Called They Are Billions, which is an RTS. That is only about turtling and defending your town. 
seemingly, but it is it is absolutely as like tech tree dense as a modern RTS. Like it feels Age of Empires-y kind of in terms of just the number of things there are that you can research and then build. Um, but it's just like there's this map that's full of zombies and you start out with like a town center and a couple of units and then you build houses and those give you workers and you build energy production and that gives you energy and you use energy and resources to gather other resources and you use those resources to build stuff to build more soldiers and build walls and stuff and you are constantly <coughs> a lot of your upgrades are about more efficiently using the space that you have but it creates a good tension of having to expand your territory which then makes it more difficult to defend and if even a couple of zombies get in, they really fuck you up because they can basically instantly destroy your buildings, like your non-military buildings. Fortifications take a long time for them to get through, but if they get to a house, it's like in a second, the house is destroyed and there are four new zombies because everyone that was in the house oh, is now another zombie. So it's like gets really fucking tense, even a tiny incursion. So defense is extremely important and the more the more, like, resources are pretty thin on the ground territory-wise. You don't, like, use them up, I don't think. Like, I don't think a lumber mill... The the zombies can't get through a forest, and a lumber mill doesn't ever actually, like, destroy forest tiles. It just is using them. But there's only so much, like, ability to harvest stone and steel and gold and food from the area that you have control of. And so you keep needing to expand your borders, which makes it more complicated based on the geometry of the level to defend. And it seems real, real good. It's early access. I don't know. I I bet I would enjoy it more if it had a campaign. But maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I would just finish the campaign and never play it again, as though it were the imaginary unreleased version of Don't Starve. I bet I would have really liked Don't Starve if it had quests. I probably would have played it more. Yeah. Because we're quest people. We are quest people. We're just questers, you and I. That's right. You belong to the tribe Howard and Quester, they call us. <laughs> Wait, which one's Howard? Uh, we're both Quester. Okay. Kevin's Howard. Okay. Hi, Howard. Sure. You're supposed to say, hi, Quester. I see. And then we would both say, hi. And it would be a funny misunderstanding. Okay, Christ. Two and a half hours in, should we talk about this assignment? Grease? <laughs> sure. God. Like, yeah. I okay. love. I love this game but I have a lot of problems with it. The first one being the name. Yeah, boy. <laughs> it's A, it's Grease. We looked it up. They didn't They didn't ask me anything on Reddit. And they, how do you pronounce the name? Oh, it's Grease. Okay, cool. Well, but that's just gray in <clears throat> Catalan or whatever. Yeah, okay. But it's, I bet most of the people who bought this game speak English and not Catalan. Mm -hmm. And so don't name your beautiful game after a, one of the grossest single nouns. But it's not spelled that way, so it isn't that thing. Also, it's a name that doesn't really mean anything, right? I mean, it means gray in another language, but I didn't know that until just now. I, I assumed it was the protagonist's name. Yeah, so it, did I. It is, it is also her name. Her name is Grease. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. Named after yeah. the oil that's Does she have a cool from dress? skin. Uh, quick, something that rhymes with, does she have a cool dress? Does she jump to impress? Okay. Um, 
Uh, she this does game have is, a cool dress. This game she is a... She does, and she jumps to impress. It it's, is a puzzle platformer uh, with almost no words in it. Incredibly good art and so much of it. Like an alarming amount of art. The marketing around it led me to believe that it was going to be like really light puzzle elements, but it's like a full-on fucking video game. Like, it's it's a real-ass video game-ass video game that does not act like it is one at all. I would not say that it's like a puzzle game. It definitely has puzzles in it, but... But I think puzzle platformer just means a thing where it's like figuring out how to get to this collectible to is the puzzle yeah right sure. yeah that that that's definitely well th- that's the game but also like you do spend a lot of time just walking yeah uh and which it doesn't really get boring sort of because well, there's always there's new always art to stuff at. to look at yeah. yeah they they did they did with art what we did with writing <clears throat> yeah hmm. yeah they just filled filled the game with more and more things to look at that were cool and like very little reused assets it yeah. seems the um mechanically it does there's never anything super annoying that it does although i would i would contend that the mega man style platforms that phase in and out of existence are like that has never been fun yeah and that shouldn't have shouldn't have been done even in mega man and <laughs> yeah, should never be yeah. done now however the slight variation on that where platforms have two states that toggle between every time you jump that was extremely clever hmm and I don't remember ever seeing that before, and I really enjoyed that one a lot. Uh, that's been, uh, I, th- I think I saw that in um, Mighty Switch Force for the uh, DS. It was a way way forward game, and pretty good. It's not not a great game, but like pretty good and great soundtrack. Hmm. I do, I do kind of think that Greece was four times as long as it should have been for the kind of game it was, and yeah. I have a hard time... I have a hard time believing that about a game that I enjoyed so much, but, like, an hour-long game that was the highlights of this game is a game that I would tell absolutely everyone that they should play. Yeah. Whether they were into video games did, did or not. Did you finish it? Yeah. How, how long is it? About five four hours. hours, four oh, and a half hours. Yeah, it's just too long. Like, yeah. it's... Well, but... It's. I mean, it's weird. I you, I feel very conflicted about believing that, but I believe it very I, strongly. I played it yeah. over like three or four sessions, and I felt like it was a. It was basically each time there was sort of like a you return to the the middle central part, like kind of felt like a chapter to me. And so I was like, oh, I'll just do one of those a day, and that worked out really well. It was like an hour a day. I had a hard time understanding that that's what was happening. Hmm. Honestly, like. Everyone saw, oh, I'm back to this point where there's, like, sort of checkpoints carved into the walls, I guess. But, like, the it, fact that those it were the, different... Those were the collectibles. Those were, like, it, the hidden... Yeah, no, I know. I know. But, like, that was the only thing that that reminded me or, or made me realize that there was a central world that you were coming back to. It constantly felt aimless to me, but it wasn't because I never was actually lost. I just always kind of felt lost, which is pretty right. nice. The end, the end sequence... <laughs> is a little meandering because it's not immediately clear how to get everywhere or make progress. After you get the ability, after you get your voice back? Uh, no, sorry, a little before that, the, 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 where the, the gravity changes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was pretty weird. Like, in, in a lot of the levels, there's, like, a central thing that's, like, you need to get, like, six 
of these collectibles to get out of here, and it makes it that clear to you. The end one, it wasn't really. Yeah. Um, it goes back to the early on thing where, I don't know, you, you collect these stars, and then that kind of unlocks traversal routes in the environment sometimes. Yeah. Um, like sort of constellation-y looking things. Yeah. I, yeah, I I really liked it. I didn't I didn't think it overstayed its welcome. I think I think it's arguably a game about grief and dealing with grief. Uh and in that way it maybe needs more time to linger and more time to sort of for you to to sort of sit with it. And what? also there are like all sorts of hidden things in the game. And I think if it was shorter, it would be much harder to hide things. Yeah, that's probably true. It, it did kind of feel though, like there were a ton of areas that's like, man, that hallway could have just been shorter and it would have been fine. I guess they, they do such a good job with the camera work in this game. Like that's the thing that really just stuck out and stood out to me was. They are constantly like zooming the camera in and way, way out. And it really, it helps highlight sort of the scale of what kinds of things you should be paying attention to and the, the mechanics that you're supposed to be using in that particular moment and makes the art, like gives you sort of all these different perspectives on the same art. It's just, they just did a, a just a super solid job manipulating your experience of the game through that sort of camera work. What makes you say that it's a game about grief? Uh, so the thematic, so like all the cinematic stuff at the beginning sort of sets that up and your, so the very beginning you're, um, you lose your voice and then you are so depressed that you can barely walk and then you sort of slowly get the ability to actually like maneuver. Um, and then some of the hidden things that you can find are like different stages of grief, um, there are like, there are, I, I did not find the first three of these. I only found the, the last two and I was like, oh, so there's actual stuff in here. And, and the things that you find are like these statues that are the different stages of grief. For example. Oh, huh. I yeah. guess I must've found zero of those. Yeah. They, they are really well hidden. <laughs> um, so also, those, those stages of grief have been debunked. Sure. Yeah. I, I told that, to, I told that to Melissa. She's like, oh, she started laughing and I was like, no, no, it's, it, I think it's just meant to be. Like symbolic. It's not. It's there to 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 beat it over, beat you over the head with the idea that this is grief. Sure. Yeah. So would you argue then that, uh, like, Castlevania Symphony of the Night is about grief because you start out like like death steals all of your cool abilities from you and then you're slowly <laughs> getting them back. I mean, you could probably you, like... you could probably write an article with that thesis for a site. Sure. Yeah, like in a way, you conquer your grief about the death of a loved one by just destroying more and more corpses as the Zach, game just, progresses. Zach, are you just reciting a boss fight book at us now? Is that what's happening? <laughs> are you so like you, you didn't you didn't think like the whole world starting out as gray and then adding colors back in felt like a sort of uh, yeah? Well, I mean, like like it felt like maybe there were some themes of like coming back out of depression. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think I, I, when I first started playing it, I thought it was about depression, but I think I think that amended for me based on finding these hidden rooms or whatever that, that it was more about grief. So now I want to see where those are hidden. Like I want to know without having to, I don't really want to go back and play it anymore. I wonder if there's a compilation of the hidden stuff online somewhere. It seems like this game is selling pretty well, which makes me happy. Um, it, 
there were no names in the credits that I even recognized, which is becoming a real rarity in like indie games of this scope. And that was interesting, I think. I think it's what a Spanish it, studio. Is yeah. It because, yeah. Is it because they're all like in Europe and you've just never yeah. met them for that reason? Yeah, I think yeah. so. But I mean, like, you know, there's European games that every game thanks Steve Gaynor for something. That's true. And this one didn't. <laughs> or, or SOS. Oh, we're definitely doing, uh, what was it? What's his mo- mosh pit VR simulator? Mosh pit, mosh pit simulator as an oh. assignment, right? Is that coming out soon? I think it's this month. Yeah, wow. he, he just put it off another few weeks. Uh, that I, I don't even I don't even know what to expect with that. Like I've seen so many different weird screenshots and videos. Yeah, like, his his weird uh, the Twitter clips he keeps putting up are hilarious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's weird because his stuff varies so wildly in how trash it is. <laughs> Right, like McPixel, you know what I mean, though, right? Like Super Office Stress is very like trash game, right? Like it just doesn't matter if polygons clip together. Whereas right. McPixel was very meticulous and very carefully, yeah, put together. And I don't. What else have I played by him? You played that Christmas game that I recommended. Is that the one with the Santas swinging around and? Other beards or whatever. I I uh, I don't remember what the gameplay is like now. I think there were guns. Okay. Hmm. Well, I don't remember the Christmas guns game, but anyway, uh, Greece. Yeah. Change the name of it and buy it. It's it's pretty. Just don't say it out loud. It doesn't. Uh, if you just think of it as or just Gris or Gris. Gris or something like that, just yeah, it's fine. Named after the Griswolds. <laughs> it's a book of yeah. Oh, I watched, I watched that at Christmas. The yeah, Christmas me vacation. too. Christmas vacation. Mm. It's it's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's not good. I feel it's like it's great. one of the weaker vacation movies. I sure. How many of them are there? It was vacation, European vacation, and Christmas vacation. That might be it. I think there's a more recent one. Oh, yeah. There's like a Vegas uh, one. Vegas Vacation, right. Okay. Um, God, Chevy Chase is like a shambling corpse now. It's really sad. <laughs> I mean, that's... We all we all eventually turn into old Chevy Chase. <laughs> it's true. Um, our assignment for next time is called Fortune 499. It's... Is it just A.P. Thompson? I uh, don't know. Did, I don't know like, if, did I think, Jenny do any art for it or anything? Maybe. I feel like they collaborate a lot, so I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, it's a rock, paper, scissors RPG with very chunky pixels. It's true. It's got chunky, chunky pixels. Thick AF. They're so chunky. And yeah, these pixels, thick AF. Oh, Lord, they coming. <laughs> um... <laughs> God, two hours and 45 minutes minus however long we spent talking about the public domain. Well, it's, we, have, uh, we got, uh, we got three so weeks an hour. worth of games and... That's true. We're definitely charging the Patreons, the Patreons for this one. You know, the Patreons, the people who give us money on Patreon. <laughs> Thanks, uh, by the way, to our patrons, such as Herv Talisman. Oh, and Tala- Tallahassee Whackers. And Herve Villa Chayiz. Merv telephone calls. 
Grease Grieson. Grease Hampsonberg. <laughs> Grease Greesome. Grease Gris. Gris Griswold. John John Ham. <laughs> Ham John Ham. Ah, good segment, guys. <laughs> Wait, we're bringing this back. I always enjoy. We only do it in odd years. <laughs> there you go, gentlemen. I've had a fantastic time recording episode number three hundred fifty-six of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again in just one short week. Wow. Yeah, let's so, do that. I know we're back in town. The holidays Woo, are over. Yeah. The boys are back in town. We're on a roll. I can feel it. Remember that tweet that was like, "Why are there like yeah. a thousand songs about love, but only one about how the boys are back in town?" <laughs> that's pretty no, good. But that's pretty good. good yeah. Anyway, this is the segment of the show where I just talk about a tweet from ten years ago that I like. Ten-year-old <laughs> <clears throat> uh, tweets. That's a. That's that means we're all old. And listeners, I hope you'll join us in our just catapult to the grave. Um, <laughs> really, you have no Mine's choice. A trebuchet. So uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, come back next week for for more of more of that good good stuff you crave, right here on Video Games Hot Dog. Now I'm gonna go pee extremely quietly. Yeah, very quiet. Well, you can like once you get out of this room, you can be louder. Okay. Out of this larger start, room, this oh. tiny room that we're in right now, you have to be—you can be as loud as you want, more or less. <laughs> yeah, but don't pee in here. Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. And then the, the larger room that contains this room, you have to be quiet again. But I can pee. No. Okay. Still well, not peeing. There are probably more. I have an empty beer can. If you, depending on how good your aim is. Uh, mm. No, let's not get into that habit. <laughs> I've got a funnel with me. It's okay. Oh yeah, that funnel you bought for April for the kitchen. <laughs> she, she makes me keep it. On my person. Right, because it was a terrible <laughs> gift. You just got her something you wanted. That's right. <laughs> Kitchen funnel. But she's kind enough to sew a funnel pocket into the back of all of your jeans. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the gift she wanted. All right, you guys. I'm going to go eat. <laughs> all right. Bye. See you later. All right. Have a great week. All of our listeners that are still here. Good night. Somehow. <laughs>